Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. What's up and welcome to Serious Issues, a weekly comic book podcast brought to you by King's Comics in Sydney. My name is Levens and my co-host's name is Siobhan. Hello. And every week we read a very, very big stack of comic books and let you know which ones you should be reading as well. And you can find everything that we talk about at King's Comics, which is at 310 Pitt Street in Sydney or online at kingscomics.com. Now, this week in comics, there was a lot of life and a lot of death. Most, mm, mostly death. Mostly death. Huge, unimportant death. But a lot of life as well. Um, some series that um, I love ended and some series that I will grow to hate began. <laughs> <laughs> um, and we're going to start today's show by um, kicking off with First Things First. We review all of the new number ones that came out this week. And uh, once we get through this unbelievable huge stack of reviews... Mm. Um, we are going to answer some few, a couple of uh, questions that have been sent in to us at our Facebook page, which is facebook.com slash Serious Issues Podcast. Oh, boy, Siobhan, where do, do we kick off with DC or do we kick off with Civil War? Oh, um, let's just kick off with Civil War. All right, so we've got, we've got a lot of DC Rebirth um, number ones coming up, but before we get there, at least 45 minutes of ranting about <laughs> Civil War 2. By Brian Michael Bendis and uh, David Marquez. Now you said you enjoyed this first I, off. I thought I'd, I, I, I mean, I <laughs> okay. So full disclosure, I um I banned myself. I put a ban on myself from reading Brian Bendis comics about two years ago. Um, after maybe even longer than that, but he did an when he was writing the X Men comics. He, mm. he has this. He's, he's very good at sucking sucking you in with the number one issue. It's true. Yes, and. I got sucked into his X-Men run where he brought the um, original X-Men back. Mm. And for some reason, they're still in the fucking Marvel Universe now, which I, I you know, I, I thought it was a clever idea for an arc, but not yeah. as a new status quo. Um, and then he did a, he was, he co-wrote a massive X-Men event, um, which was called like uh, Days of the Atom or something like that. Something. Oh, yeah. What was that? I don't know, it was like 10, 10 issue and it had like, it was all about goofy time travel stuff, which he kind of put an end to in his it was after Age of Ultron set, they were like you can't do time travel stuff anymore in mm. Age of Ultron you're, you're hurting the timosphere or whatever the hell you're hurting <laughs> all the timelines and then he did like the most ridiculous time travel story ever in uh, his yeah. X-Men event and, I, and it ended so badly and it was just after Age of Ultron ended so badly and I was like you know what I need to n- never read mm. any Brian Bendis comics so this is my first uh, Brian Bendis comic that I've read in a while um, not including um, the zero issue and the uh, free comic book day issue. 
um, both of which are actually very necessary to read before you yeah. read this number one. Yeah, this hardly reads like a number one issue. It really annoys me. Make a number one a number one. Like, don't... I'm so over the whole, like, issue zero and, like, prelude. Like, if there's information that you need to know for the comic, put it in the issue one because I yeah. think that's... I mean, we've already spoken about the fact that this... If you want to follow this whole event, it is going to be an extremely costly thing for you. Yeah, as, as we know, uh, Jim from King's Comics worked out that if you want to get every single Civil War to issue, tie-in, mm. crossover... At the moment, it's going to cost you at least $800, but we actually don't know the full list of titles that are coming out later in the year. So, it could run you more than a grand if you want to buy every single issue, which is crazy. It's crazy. Um, And, you know, when an an event kicks off like this, I guess I I finished it and I was like, you know, I didn't hate that. No, I mean, I like it. I I sort of like the... I like the art, that's for sure. Yeah, the art's very nice. And I like the sort of... I, I like that Civil War has become the place to have, like big conversations about, like, you know, the ethics of superheroes and stuff like that. And I think that's interesting. And I think that this whole sort of minority report type story is quite interesting because the whole thing is that there's this new inhuman who can see the future. And so do you you attack on those threats in advance or do you wait for those threats to... You know, turn out to be true. Absolutely, and I and I loved the, the how this issue began. You have them all coming together to to take on this massive, uh, crazy threat that they've been warned about by um, the Inhumans, and so you see the almost the entire Marvel universe come together to, to take on this massive, massive threat at the at the beginning. Big and, celestial and it was, robot. It's really cool to kind of watch everybody come together. Um, there's an incredible page of just all the heroes, even the ones who can't fly, flying towards the threat, mm-hmm. um, and then. Uh, Doctor Strange and all of the more mystic um, superheroes in the Marvel universe kind of band together to, to cast a spell on this on this being. Even though we all know there's no magic left, yeah, you guys, totally. You guys so, haven't worked this out very. Um, but very well. actually, and, and one one trait that that was I remember Bendis doing in his um, New Avengers run a lot, which I really enjoyed, is whenever Doctor Strange casts a spell, it kind mm. of says which spell it is in yeah, down the bottom. I like that. I loved that, and so I, I, I was kind of I was like, oh yeah, I really loved when he, when he did that. So mm. it was nice, nice kind of seeing that. Um, I have two. I have two Inhumans-based questions because there's a big like everyone's like, "Thanks, Inhumans, you guys really saved the day." When they show up, um, question one: Has Medusa always had a belt with a big M on it? Because I'm into it if she has. Oh, yeah, it looks like she stole it off Magneto's helmet <laughs> because he's and, certainly not using that at the moment. And two: Why is Beast? Is that Beast? Why oh, is Beast with the Inhumans? Beast, Beast is like hanging out with the Inhumans now. He's, he's in. I am reading Inhumans. every single Inhumans book, and I have you are not, not reading them very well. No memory he's, of this. <laughs> he, he's there to kind of um, try and fix up the relationship between the mutants right, okay. and the Inhumans, and also to kind of just yeah. Ter- he's he's basically studying the the I don't know right, the, okay. the, the Terrigen Mist of fucking up the mutants, and okay. he's trying to look into that. There you go. It's unimportant stuff, it's and unimportant. and you know what. Everything in this issue was unimportant, and it, it ended, and I, I was like, oh, I guess I didn't hate that so much because I enjoyed the setup. But then I thought about it more, and I, I, so look, spoilers on this, which mm-hmm. are you know, you kind of already know if you've read the free comic book day issue. Um, but if you if you don't if you ha- if you don't don't want this spoiled, skip ahead a minute or two. But there are, there are, uh, there's at least one death in this comic. Mm, I would say. Looks like it's going to be it two. Looks like it's going to be two. Which um, so, so War Machine and She Hulk, um, and and it was kind of it's been teased that these two are going to die for a while, and mm. it just as I thought about this comic because I texted you immediately after, I was like, you know, I didn't hate it that much. Mm. It was a fun kind of ride, but then I thought about the way it ends, and I just think deaths in comic books, it's just pointless it just, now. It just I feel means, like it, it, it means so little. It means exactly, and 
and uh, I, th- I find it lazy writing. And and there are, there was a lot of death in in the comics that we read mm. this week, and I, I'm I'm going to talk about it as we kind of get get you know review all those other issues. But it kind of maybe I just kind of I don't want to want to see people die in comic books, yeah, unless it really aids the story. Like, and it certainly doesn't like you know having someone die to give someone drive yeah. to, to you know complete their heroic tasks. It's just such a boring motif, very, and it is very boring. And like everyone stopped pretending that death in superhero comics means anything. We know it doesn't. We know that, like, you know, She-Hulk might be dead for six months to a year, but then we'll get a new She-Hulk comic. So, really, it's, like, it is very lazy. And it is very, um... It just doesn't feel... It doesn't feel earned. It doesn't feel like... You know, it's just like, and now Rhodey's dead and Iron Man's mad about it and that's Civil War 2, you know? Like, it's just very... And when you kick an event off by killing two characters yeah. where, where do you go from there like are they going to kill more people and, in al- this? Yeah, like- and also in fairness it is again like it is again like killing you know diverse characters who yeah. don't have that much of an impact like kill kill iron man Kill yes. Tony. Kill Tony Stark. Kill What's Tony forever. <laughs> and I will I will read your Civil War 2 comic. But, like, it's just at a point where, like, I don't care. And stupid Iron oh, Man's so annoying. Yep. Like, I'm going to go make sure none of you ever play God again. The man who yeah. constantly, like... Holy yeah. in the our God complex character. Yeah, I mean, I guess, you know, I, I, I think I... I liked that it kind of ties into what the Ultimates are trying to do in the Ultimates book. Yeah. And, and I liked those elements. Like, you know, Brian Bendis has, like, somewhat of an idea of what's going on mm. outside of his Marvel books. Um, but, yeah, I, the more I think about it, I actually think this is this is one of the weakest number ones for for an event I've read in a mm. long while. Yeah. Just because of that... that needless death like when you when you're when two major marvel characters die off page in this mm. comic um absolutely i just i just find this i don't know i'm, I'm I, it's gonna take a lot for me to kind of care about this 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 story at all yeah. and i hate how many comics that i'm reading at the moment are gonna tie into this and we're gonna we're gonna talk about a few of them later mm. you know there, there were some great issues at marvel this week mm. that you're like, oh, wow, what a great story. You know, what a great world this is. And then you turn the page and it's like, next month, Civil War 2. You're like, no, yeah. fuck. I mean, you look at, like, the back page, you just look at all of the things that this is tying into and crossing over into, and I'm just not. Yeah. I just don't care, Marvel. And I think I liked this comic because, you know, the parts of the comic that I liked were the parts where the where the, all the Marvel team are all together and fighting together. I, that, that That's an event. That's why... Um, uh, Infinity was so. What, so what was that? What was the Secret um, Wars? Secret Wars, and before that was that amazing event that Hickman did that tied into. Yeah, it was Infinity. Yeah, that was Infinity. Yeah. That was that was such a great book of of all the heroes coming together. Mm. Um, those glory moments. That's what I want. Mm. That's what you want in an event. I don't want like you know the world crumpling. Like I mean, what's that? What's that horrible? Um, Horrible event comic um, that was written for DC with, with Sue Dibney getting raped and oh, yeah. <laughs> identity um, crisis. Identity yeah, crisis. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, that's Jesus. just a real bummer of a comic. No, like, you know what's funny is I read that like when I first started getting into superhero comics and really loved it and thought that it was like really powerful. And going back and reading it, you're like, oh, it just doesn't. I wonder. I wonder why I thought that. Yeah, I mean, I guess when, when it came out, it's you know it is quite different. Of yeah, a comic. and there were things like I mean I think it's always interesting to play around with those ideas, but there is a certain element when you know you've you've taken the plunge and it's really hard to come back from that. And I think DC, I think that probably was one of the things that really tipped DC into the very dark 
stage that they've been in over the last 20 years. And is this, I don't know, like uh, we kind of talked about it last week when we were talking about all the DC titles that we're going to start reading. Like, do you think this could be a tipping point that sees us finally read, you know, for the first time in like six years since the New 52 kicked off, we might start reading more more DC books than Marvel again. I don't know. That that said, I'm reading about 30 fucking Marvel books a month at the moment. Thanks to the podcast. You're welcome, listeners. (laughs) (laughs) It's so funny. Like The other day I was like, oh man, so many comics to my wife. And she was like, you're not allowed to complain about comics. (laughs) Over the weekend, I was like, I have so much reading to do. And I was like, that was... That would be yeah. what I would do anyway. <laughs> but it's like beyond first world problem. I don't even, it's like a yeah, multiverse problem. <laughs> it's so ridiculous. <laughs> the only thing that I'm like could be cool coming out of this is it looks like Captain Marvel's had something, got something wrong with her eye. She might get a cool eye patch. Oh, yeah, that'd be great. I'd be into that. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, look, where, where do you predict this going? Um, Captain Marvel wants to keep using this inhuman to predict... Uh, bad events mm. in, in, and and try and stop them before they happen. Mm. Um, and he's obviously he, he's he's just woken up and something. Actually, no. The, 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 so he wakes up and 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 then he predicts the event that we see Captain Marvel try and stop in the in mm. the in the free comic book day issue, and that's the event in which uh, Rhodey and 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 She Hulk get killed. Right. So what happens next? It kind of this is just like a setup. This is just like this is not so much a setup. It's just that this is a horrible story. Yeah, because I mean, like what, like what what could the end possibly be? And like, not to criticize things before they've already come out, but like, what do you, what do you do with this guy? You either use his power or you, you ignore him or you kill him. Like what's the, yeah, what's the end game with has, this character? Has Iron Man gone to get this guy? Like, yeah, is, like is that what he's gone to do now? I mean, the second, the, the cover of the second issue appears to be Iron Man and this, um, Ulysses kid holding hands and flying. Oh, right. So, yeah, sure. So he's going he to go steal him. Gets him. And I thought that he was smiling, but it looks like a grimace. I was like, that could be nice if they're having like a nice flying adventure. But yeah. Probably not. Um, yeah, I do not. I don't know where this is going to go. But I just don't feel like it's going to end up in like a positive, cool place. No. And, and you know, like Thanos has been such an incredible threat in, in recent Marvel events. Mm. And like he's currently in a cell. We, we don't even, we don't even see him get captured. We just told yeah. that he is, and I, I, I just like all the things that I want to see in this comic. I don't actually see it's off page. Well, this so. is like, isn't this one of the key problems with Bendis? Is he always he tells he doesn't show like it's yeah, a exactly. visual medium, and there's so he much talking in this book. Yeah. Like, and it constantly is that way. Like, it's all dialogue, and it's all snappy, qu- quippy dialogue, and it's the same voice for everyone. And then he doesn't show us. What's yeah. actually happening in this issue? But I mean, he—I he, mean, that works really well in like you know, like I, I love—I loved at least. I haven't, mm. haven't read the last arc, but um, Powers, Powers is fantastic. You know, because you, you have like these great moments where he allows Michael Wyoming to mm. to really shine and kind of tell all the action stuff is very. There's not much dialogue at all, but then you have the two detectives kind of you know talking about what happened afterwards or in the lead up to mm. and all the dialogues and that it's a really really well balanced but this this comic is just yeah it's not balanced at all it's just mm. the, the the action kind of happens while everyone tells you what's happening or what already happened yeah it's mm. yeah this is a this is an, an interesting start to a surely infuriating event yeah and like <laughs> i'll read every issue and i'll but then, I mean, like, just it. next week alone, there's two kind of tie-in comics. There's a Spider-Man comic and a Hercules comic that are Civil War. Like, they're, they're number ones. Jeez. Uh, so, I mean, we're going to be reading a, a ton of Civil War 2 stuff 
Yeah, so whether you like it or not, we're all gonna be we're all gonna be talking and thinking about this a whole bunch. <laughs> I think it's really, you know there, there are a few Marvel comics that aren't tied into Civil War two, and I think they're gonna be the ones that are gonna get the best reviews from us <laughs> over the next few weeks. Could be. All right, let's move over from uh, Marvel to DC. We've got four new number ones this week. Um, they're almost kind of more zero issues than they are number ones. Yeah. They're kind of letting you know what the new status quo is for uh, various titles in the DC universe. So we got Batman, Superman, Green Arrow. And Green Lanterns. Mm. Um, so let's kick off with um, Batman Rebirth. Uh, this is written by Tom King, who's taking over the Batman franchise with Scott Snyder, and um, art by Michael Janin with colors by June Chung. Um, immediately, I've got to say, like the art is so good in this. Yeah, it's really I'm, nice. I'm bummed that the actual Batman number one is drawn by David Fincher. Um, yeah, because I would much rather <laughs> see an entire series drawn by. Uh, Michael, Mike, Mikhail Janin. Um, what did you like about this uh, this issue? It's uh, it, you said to see a, a new, a brand new Calendar Man who was always oh, one of yeah. my favorite uh, villains. I, was, um, I think this is kind of a fun. Like, I mean, I don't know Calendar Man that well. I mean, but so all you need to know is ca- he, he he likes calendars. And it, we, <laughs> he kills people on different yeah important like calendar dates from Long Halloween. Yeah, exactly, but so it yeah. hasn't been like a part of his character that he, like, molts his skin and becomes no, so a new man. this is a brand new... And it's clever. He's like an actual it, yeah. threat now. Yeah. So, so yeah, it, Calendar Man is less about calendars and more about seasons. Mm. And uh, he's able to kind of affect the seasons in Gotham, as in every every day is a, is, a, is a new season. So you kind of see two summers, two winters, two springs, and two falls mm-hmm. in, this, in this comic. But uh, with that, he gets more powerful and then kind of sheds his skin going into winter and then comes back a new man in spring. It's, it's a really crazy yeah. take on a character. Really Who knows cool. how he got these powers. I kind of hope that the, you don't ever get that explained. Mm, but it, it has something to do with spores. Um, and I, I, that's a fine explanation for that's me. That's enough for me. Yeah. I, don't, I don't need to know anymore. Uh, I definitely, I mean, I really liked the, the page where Bruce Wayne is doing semi-nude one-armed chin-ups yep. off, a, off a helicopter Yeah, completely unnecessary. Pad. Brilliant. Um, as Lucius Fox desperately tries to talk him into... I mean, does, I does Lucius Fox know that Bruce Wayne is Batman? I don't know. He, he always, must in these ones, right? I think he must. It always seems like a bit of a knowing, like, oh, I know, but we yeah. don't need to say it, Mr. Um, Wayne. We also get a great Alfred in this as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, we get... What's his name? Michael? Uh, I don't know. The, the, you, it, it, uh, a new protege of Batman... Um, is uh, is intru- not introduced. He's, he was part of Scott Snyder's run. He showed up in Zero Hour and in um, We Are Robin. We Are Robin as well. Um, uh, he uh, and and Batman says, uh, you know, you're not going to be a Robin. You're going to be something different. But then we don't really see him do anything that could be said as something more or less. Yeah, like, like you know, he just seems like another Robin. Yeah, it seems like it's just going to be Robin, but maybe with a different outfit. Yeah. I don't know. It's 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 a, it, it's a very confusing end, but I think that's what you want going into a, uh, a you know a new Batman series. Mm. You don't want this kind of this to be. I, I think it's it's good having it really open ended and yeah, it, it's it's really curious. It's mysterious. And the Calendar Man transformation is definitely very very disgusting. Which is which great. I was quite into. Yeah, really great. But um, it's not it's not the same kind of disgusting that we saw Greg Capullo draw. It's no, a, it's very different kind of disgusting. Yeah, it's, it's, it's cool. Yeah, I like. I mean, I didn't. I didn't think much of this issue i thought it was quite good 
but that was about it. But I'm, you know, like yeah. I'm quite interested. It definitely, yeah, exactly, has you very interested for what's to come next. Yeah. And you know, we've we've said many times before, we're huge Tom King fans. Yeah. And I think Batman is very, very safe in Tom King's hands. So. I hope so. I'm excited. I'm like that has made me extremely excited. For yeah, definitely. And I hope he. Series. I, I was kind of like, oh, why is he co-writing this with Snyder? I want him to be able to usher in a new era of Batman all by himself. But again, you know, bat. You know, this might actually have more to do with. Uh, the Batman series that Scott Snyder is writing, mm. then then Tom King's Batman. We'll right, see because yeah. I know he's he's for, the main villain of uh, or the main kind of th- person that he's opposing in uh, in the Tom King run is someone called Gotham, like an actual oh. hero or, or enemy that calls himself Gotham. Oh so, yeah, cool. Could be a fun story. Mm. Let's go from bats to soups. Superman Rebirth number one, written by Peter Tomasi, who uh, most recently did all the uh, Batman and Robin stuff, as well as some of the Green Lantern Corps stuff. So he's yeah making his his move from. Uh, actually, I think he's he's actually written quite a lot of uh, Superman in the last year at, at DC as well. Mm, yeah, um, plus art by Doug Mankey, who I love. Yep, um, and uh, this was. Uh, also written with with Patrick Gleason, who is his uh, often his um, his art. He does all the art on mm. uh, on, on Tomasi's books. Uh, so in this book, we kind of I think they've kind of gone. You know what? Not many people read Superman in the, yeah. in, over the last five years. So we get like a weird wrap up of. I mean, because Superman is in a very weird place mm. at the moment. You have Clark Kent from the pre New Fifty Two universe who is now taking over the work of Superman after he died yeah. at the end of uh, Superman 52 and going into the rebirth issue. Um, this is, I mean, this, this comic has, does a very tough job of explaining how it got to this. And then we kind of meet Lana Lang and, and the new, the, you know, the, the, the new old Superman, the mm. old 52 Superman. Um, actually, it's definitely not called the old 52. Yeah. But that is a, <laughs> everyone knows what I'm talking about when I say old 52. Um, and they kind of team up. But we also get like the history of of that Superman and yeah, what and we happened get little, when he died and yeah, because this whole like this whole story, this issue is sort of framed around Superman, the current Superman, Beardy Superman, being like, okay, so this new Superman's died, but I came back, so obviously he's going to come back. So I'm just gonna I'm gonna help that along. I'm gonna push that process forward, and he is accompanied by this universe's Lana Lang, who is sad. Yes. Um, but, and she knew she knew that Clark Kent was Superman, and, and uh, she's come to kind of take 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 uh, Superman's ashes to go bury them with uh, uh, John and Martha Kent's bodies mm. in their graves, um, which sucks that they're both dead. Yeah, I know. Like all of Superman, like all of Superman's parents are dead. Yeah, all of them. It's pretty, uh, pretty sad. But then he gets. We get a we get a nice moment though where. Uh, um, this you know the new old Superman goes to the old new Superman's the now dead Superman's um, fortress of solitude, and um, there's a nice moment where um, he realizes that this Superman has chosen to uh, to kind of make statues of not just um, uh, what is it Connell and Jor-El or whatever what was his, what was his uh, Kryptonian parents his Kryptonian parents Jor-El and Martha, <laughs> Mel, we have to assume <laughs> Martha. Um, but he's also uh, he's also made statues of of John and Martha Kent too, and you know the Superman thinks it's great. Uh, but then, so he he then creates a statue of the now dead Superman and says that he will now be the Superman for this universe. Yeah, I mean, it's all like it's it it's all just a big exercise to be like that Superman's dead and he is not coming back. Well, we have made it so, so that he is not coming back. He is definitely dead. 
and you cannot bring him back. This is the Superman now. And that's sort of what this comic felt to me. Like, it just felt a bit of a tidying exercise. Like, here's all of the confusing, complicated things. Here's just what you need to know. I mean, I'm very... I'm a much bigger fan of the pre-52 Superman. Same. But in having him in this universe, isn't this infinitely more confusing? Because he has to explain that, that like that he is from before mm. and that he has a, a son mm. and and that he married Lois Lane and then that you're going to have Wonder Woman who's sad because her Superman yeah. is gone and yeah I, I, I don't know why they didn't just kind of just fully hit the reset button and just be like yeah new Superman like <laughs> why I don't I don't hate these kind of comics that explain how things happened yeah totally um, and I also I also find it very weird that at the end of it it sort of ends on quite a like smiley hopeful note like the old pre-52 superman is a bit like well at least now that guy's dead so i can be superman again <laughs> like yeah, yeah. i sort of got that vibe a little bit which i was like that seems seems weird and not how superman would deal with these things yeah so i mean look this is a very confusing issue but i think hopefully they just got all this mess out of the way and then we yeah. can kind of we don't have to ever talk about it again going into the series but i, I doubt that that'll happen i reckon every no, I issue will have be. this very confusing i just hope they I just kind of I don't want them to ever admit that there was a new fifty two or a pre fifty two or any of yeah. that mess. I just want them to kind of look forward instead of trying to like this is because this happened in this universe, but in my universe it happened like this. Like, yeah, you don't need to explain things that much. Like I know I know people get obsessed with continuity and stuff, but if you just tell a good story, no one's going to care. Yeah, and Marvel have kind of cared less and less about explaining every mm. little facet of continuity in their in their number ones, and I think that's that they're you know they're making stronger comics because of it. That said, where is Cyclops? But we'll get to yeah, that. Yeah, where is Cyclops? <laughs> That's an excellent point. Um, I do like that in this whole issue, he's wearing his black Rebirth um, rebirth Superman costume. Right. I quite like that. I thought that was like a nice... I, I think that that's what that Superman has been wearing this whole time. Okay, but sure. But I'm into that. Yeah, right. I like that. It looks like he's going to stop immediately. Yeah, immediately oh, yeah. he will now be like, no, I'm Superman Put again. the undies back over your pants again. Yeah, come on. They're never going to do it. Um, let's talk about Green Arrow Rebirth. This is probably the, uh, I reckon, the biggest shake-up um, when yeah. it comes to uh, characters. And uh, even though this comic is a mess, <laughs> I think it's, you know, we're going to get a better Green Arrow overall because of it. Um, this was written by a writer that I've never, ever heard of before, um, Benjamin Percy. With art and color by Otto Schmidt. I really liked Otto Schmidt's art. Yeah, very different. Oh, the, art's, the art's cool. Superhero comic. Um, I don't like that there is a huge supernatural element to this comic, um, because I feel like that is not who Green Arrow should be fighting at the beginning of a new number one. Uh, I don't know. I guess I mean I I really liked all that Green Arrow stuff that involved his son Connor, and that was all quite sort of mystical and to do with ninjas and stuff. Yeah, I guess, but it was also grounded by the fact that it was his flesh and blood yeah. son, whereas we don't have that. We just immediately have this, like, you know, ooh, weird, yeah, you know, spooky. spooky version of Court of Owls, but for Green Arrow. Yeah. But look, that's not the main focus of this story. The main focus is reuniting uh, Green Arrow and Black Canary, even though they've never actually met before. Um, well, they have very briefly before Green Arrow became Green Arrow, so Diana... Uh, is that her name? No. Yeah. Is it Black Canary? Dinah. 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 Dinah knows. Uh, Dinah knows of uh, Ollie's past as a as a um, little rich boy, uh, but this absolutely pushes that um, that that Green Arrow is a. Uh, back to being an annoying lefty jerk face. Yeah, which is exactly like that's, that's like the pure heart of his character. Totally. Is, yeah, and he even refers to himself as a social justice warrior. 
Um, Which, at- while feeling like slightly sort of uh, forced. And- well, I mean, that, that term certainly means something very different now to what it meant 10 years ago. Yeah, totally. 20, but yeah, it, uh, I doubt he's going to be sitting down at a keyboard and firing off uh, angry, like angry YouTube comments. I, I really like imagining that version of yeah. Oliver Queen just sitting down and being like, I need to write my think piece on this. Like, Ugh, telegraph readers are the worst. Because <laughs> he totally would be. <laughs> That's why I did enjoy this issue in a sort of... Like, I was reading it in the back room at King's, and as I was reading it over my lunch, I was constantly like, oh, this is so stupid, like, reading bits out to everyone, like, oh, this sucks. And then after I finished, I was like, I actually think I actually think I really enjoyed that. Because I do think that he should be a really irritating character in that way, because he's not, like, he's not an easy man. He's a... He's constantly trying to do right and trying, like, he's, yeah. his heart's in the right place, but he's always saying the wrong thing or doing the wrong thing or, uh, you know, coming at things with a too simple sort of perspective. And I just, I thought this was a nice return to that, that version of Ollie. Yeah. Can I, can I point something out here? At one point he, he opens the comic with a, with a big full blonde beard. And then uh, later in the comic to kind of, I guess to impress Black Canary, he shaves it Mm. to a goatee. I'll put this out there and you can correct me if I'm wrong. I don't think in any world a goatee is less offensive than a beard. Has it been like an improvement? He's gone into the bathroom and been like, well, I'm definitely not having sex with that man. He comes out with a goatee. You're like, hmm, I might might have to change my mind. I have like a, a permanent inability to grow, to grow any form of facial hair. Um, but I, I just my my limited wanna... my limited uh, uh, experience with stubble. I know that definitely goatee is is. You look is, amazing is, with a goatee. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. I don't understand. Yeah, I, I, I would have. That, that would have been amazing if she if she goes. Goatees <laughs> oh. are way fucking lamer than than <laughs> a beard. Just keep the beard. Just keep the beard. But you're right. There is like a lameness to great to green yeah. arrow at the heart of the character that that I that I think is important. And, I, and they've definitely brought that back. Especially because Black Canary is so much cooler than him. Mm-hmm. And I like that. Yeah. Uh, but I didn't like all this gross horror stuff. I kind of I want him to, like, take on big business. And yeah, that kind of totally. Stuff. Like that, that- I kind of almost feel like this was a sort of weird, like, superhero, stupid, mystical version of big business. Because it was like evil spooky gross guys selling people that's not you can't own a person says green arrow yeah but, but i want like you know six issues of green arrow trying to convince politicians that climate change is real <laughs> like that that's really appealing to me yeah totally <laughs> i would read that um yeah I, 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 i'm gonna stick on board with with, with all these dc titles yeah. really because i feel like you can't really judge what's to come off the back of these rebirth issues but um yeah, I'm, I'm hoping that the actual number ones when they come. Mm. These are quite pointless stories, really. Mm. Um, this is the most number one feeling of of all the of all the rebirth yeah, totally. issues. This could easily just be Green Arrow number one. Um, but uh, yeah, like, I, I, I'm 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 excited to see where where the actual Green series ta- Green Arrow series takes. I'm hoping it's less supernatural stuff and more him taking yeah. on conglomerate power. That would be really fun. <laughs> all right, the last re- rebirth book that we read this week uh, was Green Lanterns. Uh, this is written uh, between uh, Jeff Johns, who's of course been ta- who's been writing the Green Lantern universe for a bazillion years. Yes, yeah, right. Uh, since way before uh, New Fifty Two happened, has he? Did he stop writing Green Lantern at some point in the last year? I think he yeah, did. Yeah, he did. But I think he's actually coming back to the book, isn't he, for Rebirth? I think he's coming back to write something. Oh, right. Okay, sure. Well, he wrote, he, he co-wrote this with Sam Humphreys, who I know is taking over the Green Lanterns book. Uh, he has previously been writing lots of stuff for uh, Marvel in the last year, but he recently signed an exclusivity agreement. We're going to be talking about one of his Marvel books that finished last week that I didn't realize. Um, 
so yeah, he's exclusive to Marvel now. Sorry, to DC now. And uh, art with this one was written by Ethan Van Sciver, who's been doing stacks of uh, Green Lantern stuff over the years, and mm-hmm. uh, Ed Bennis. Um, I think a lot of people have been complaining about this book online. Oh, really? And, um, yeah, because you know it's it's pretty stupid. But yeah, well. this is basically the the status quo they set up with this one is that there are um, Hal Jordan needs to leave Earth for a while, so he is assigned two Green Lanterns of Earth to look after Earth while he is away. Mm. And um, obviously he's not aware of the 70 other heroes of, that Earth has. But um, So what are the names of these ones? So I, I've been, these, these, are, these are both lanterns that have been introduced in, in, in New 52. Yeah. Um, so it's Simon Baz and Jessica Cruz. Right. So we have the first uh, Earth-bound female lantern, mm-hmm. the first uh, female Green Lantern that had uh, flesh-coloured skin, mm-hmm. not, not yep. a, like, you know, bright green alien. or blue. Um, and... Uh, uh, Simon Baz is uh, uh, Middle Eastern. Yeah. And, um, kind of, uh, he has- carries a gun. Yeah, right. Um, and he's very hot-headed. Mm. Um, he actually, like, they're, they're, even though he says, like, oh, I hope Guy Gardner died, he has shades of, Sky- of Guy Gardner. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's, he's not really, like, that different to Guy Gardner in this probably. issue. Um, and so you kind of have them, uh, the two Green Lanterns of Earth, meet for the first time and uh, not get along at first. So it's going to be, like, you know, like a hilarious uh, good cop, bad cop kind mm. of pairing. Um, and you know, I think this, this series kind of has a lot of promise. Uh, yeah, I agree. There's a, yeah, I mean, there's not really much more to say than this. It's just, de- this is absolutely a setup issue. Yeah, totally. Um, you know, it's interesting to see how Jordan leave earth for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, I wonder why. Um, so yeah, I mean, cause is there going to be, there's going to be a green lantern book and a green lanterns book. Yeah, I think that's, And a green I lantern core book. I, I actually don't know. There's a lot, Yeah. There's a lot of great There's a whole bunch of stuff. I quite, yeah, I mean, maybe because I don't know these characters, but I quite enjoyed the introduction to Jessica Cruz as a character because I know nothing about her. Um, and that's quite cool. I like that she's sort of like, like the way that fear manifests in her life is like through sort of social anxiety and not being able to leave the house. She's like a little bit um, agoraphobic, I guess. Yeah. No, I think that's cool. I, I also like the lantern symbol over her eye. Yes. Very strange and Good. cool. Um, and it looks like their main uh, uh, antagonists for their series is going to be the Red Lanterns, so they finally don't have their own comic. Ooh. And we have a, a Trotic, a tr- what is it, Atrocitus? Atrocitus. Um, come back. Um, and is yeah. that Bleez? Is that her name? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I've, I've not read Green Lantern comics since uh, since Blackest Night. Yeah. So I, I, I'm not familiar with a lot with a lot of the characters now. So. It's been a while. I'm, I'm, I, I, like I, we, we said going into, into Rebirth that one of the things I'm most excited about is reading Green Lantern comics mm. again because they are very fun. Yeah. And space adventures. I like, I like the idea of this sort of buddy cop space thing yeah, that agreed. could potentially be happening here. Awesome. And I just hope they don't get together. That's a big... That's a big thing for me. I'm, I'm, I think that's okay that they, if, they, if they get together because they're both relatively new characters with, I don't even know their backstories at all. Yeah. I mean, it, it's always lame when they do, but uh, yeah. I, it's, this is like far less offensive than her getting paired with Hal Jordan. Or oh, totally. 100%. Yeah. And it'd just be cool if there was like a bit of platonic friendship. I guess. In, yeah, you're right. The comic, comic book universe needs way more platonic friendships. Mm. Oh, okay, cool. Let's, but you let's... know, I don't feel I don't feel terrible about rebirth. <laughs> no, <laughs> I don't. I don't know. All these, none of these. I remember reading a lot of the number ones from when the New Fifty Two launched and being like, mm. "Oh my god, what the fuck are they yeah, doing?" Yeah, totally. Uh, but I have not got that feeling from any of these. These books do yet. feel more like classic DC comics. Yeah, and like we are, we are absolutely going in with the most open mind we could yep. into these books. Listen right. to us. Listen to these open minds. All right, so let's leave the big two for a while. It's it's it's, it's a massive year for both of them. Mm. Um, and, and I think at the moment DC definitely wins this week as far as new stuff. Uh, yeah, agreed. C- Civil War Two is uh, 
gonna I think gonna be a profound bump bummer. <laughs> I'm calling it. <laughs> yep. it's, a, it's a very, very low stake risk to uh to, to, to predict that. Yeah. Um, we're going to talk about Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. I've been reading the main series over at Boom, which has I been written uh, by our good friend whose name I can't remember right now. He wrote Kyle Higgins. Kyle, Kyle Higgins. Higgins um, and there are a bunch of spin off comics. This is um, the Pink Power Rangers, Pink, I'm all about the Pink Ranger, Kelly, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, written by Brendan Fletcher and um, Kelly Thompson. Were they both working on Batgirl or just Brendan Fletcher? Just Brendan Fletcher and um, Kelly Thompson. The incredible art in this is by mm. Danielle de Niculio, which I've never seen before, but I love this. Yeah, very. Art is the strongest part of this comic for sure. I thought it was a really, like, as someone who has is not reading the Power Rangers comic and has a very basic knowledge of the Power Rangers at all, I really enjoyed this issue. I think it was a really accessible, like, jump into yeah. the universe. So now you know how I, universe. it's accessible until you think about it too much. And you're like, wait yeah. a minute, that is very confusing. <laughs> but this is how I felt reading the actual main series as yeah. well. Like, I, I don't know. It's, I, I really like these these comics and they're great for, yeah. for teens. Uh, Such a yeah. good, fun issue. Siobhan and I really are, well told. are, are very... Yeah. We, we like teen comics. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I have far less excuse to enjoy teen to t- enjoy teen issues. She's a bit closer. But uh, I don't know what it is. That w- when you read these comics that are like, you know, like the threats are a lot smaller well, and like yeah. it's you know, very much like, oh my God, my parents. <laughs> I mean, there's a, there's a real like... I, it can get... It's nice to read a comic that is ostensibly a superhero comic that doesn't you know, isn't as grim and trying to appeal to an adult audience and that sort of stuff. And I think teen books often hit that nice space of like children can enjoy it and adults can enjoy it. Yeah. So I think that I think that's part of it. But yeah, I just I I really enjoyed this. It was silly. It was fun. Yeah. So basically, um, and this is this shows how clueless I am, even though I read the current Power Rangers comic. Mm. So this pink Power Ranger used to be the pink Power Ranger, but she quit. And this is the one that I was familiar with when I was watching uh, the Power Rangers in school. Mm. Uh, Kelly is her name. And uh, um, so she's quit and she's become a gymnast and she's traveling the world doing gym stuff. And her parents have moved to, to Paris, to France, yep. country France. And uh, they were meant to come and see her do some gym stuff. <laughs> and uh, they weren't there. So she rides a motorbike for five hours to go find them, only to find that their small town in, pa- in France is deserted. And... Uh, it's there's a bunch of monsters taking people hostage. And if you try to leave, you are never seen again. So she gets in in touch with what's it Zordon or whatever his name is, who kind of controls all the Power Rangers pa- mm. powers. And uh, she gets her pink Power Ranger costume back and her cool bow. Um, but this is the first time I realize that the pink Power Ranger that I'm not reading that I'm reading in the comic is not the one is that I'm familiar one? with. So I don't know where. What timeline we're reading with of the Power yeah, Rangers? Who but- knew Power Rangers would be this complicated? <laughs> Not me. Or that the Pink Ranger would be a legacy character. But in any case, uh, if you uh, are a teenage girl or quite a big fan of comics aimed at teenage girls, mm-hmm. like me, mm-hmm. uh, you should definitely pick up this comic up because it's a lot of fun. It was very cute. And I it's, a it a six, it's a six-issue limited series, so um, if you like things to kind of be wrapped up. Because I, I feel like when you are reading these these team comics, comics it's like, oh, no, this is an ongoing forever. Yeah. Um, and teenagers love buying comics, so this will just be continue on for hundreds of issues. So it is nice to be like, oh, cool, it's six issues. Great. Yeah. I'm in. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, Power Rangers Pink gets our pink thumb up. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I liked it a lot. Uh, cool. So we got a bunch of uh, creator-owned number ones this week. Um, and... Uh, just like the Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas, number one that we talked about last week, the first one we're going to talk about is confusing because it actually already exists as a trade. 
Um, oh, does and it? I did not know that until I read this. So this is written by Charles Sewell, uh, who is a uh, more recently famous uh, for writing uh, Swamp Thing over mm-hmm. at DC, and then uh, he's doing a lot of the Star Wars comics for Marvel now, exclusive for Marvel. Um, of course, all the human inhuman stuff as well. Wrote that excellent She-Hulk series. Yes, R.I.P. Um, Greg Scott did art on this. It's called Strange Attractors, and this is a um, this is a, a, a tr- available in trade. It came out a couple years ago, and it is about uh, the architecture of of New York, and uh, it's a very wordy comic a lot of, a lot more telling than showing yeah um, lots of lots of dialogue and um it's all about academics and big mathematical concepts and things like that which is a, i it's quite compelling it's quite interesting the arts um maybe not the strongest yeah. part of the book but, but i quite like the way he draws old man that's quite good yeah definitely um but uh the uh, the last three pages of this are, are brand new and so a new, a new story that's been written to kind of further enrich in the uh the, the 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 universe that this book is inside. Um, yeah. I had no idea this was already. No, because I, I, th- I thought it was very strange. I was like, this actually reads like someone who mm. hasn't been writing comics for very long. This doesn't read. This does not read like the Charles Soule that mm. I know now. And yeah, he actually wrote this quite early in his career. Yeah. Now that you say that, it is definitely a very like it is a much less mature Charles Soule maybe, and you can see him trying to get all of these cool concepts and these ideas that he really likes on the page um, in a way that he probably would be able to do with more skill now. Absolutely. But I thought that the concepts in this are really interesting. I, I will either check out the trade now or continue to read it because I, I quite enjoyed it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm, I'm very curious to see, where, to see where the relationship between uh, the main character and the old man goes and mm-hmm. kind of how the ties to like... Oh, you get everything from like mathematics to architecture to all, mm. all kind of cool stuff in this. Yeah, it's, it's very different. Very different book. Uh, mm. One of five. Um, so five five issue series out through Boom now. Go and get it if you missed the trade. If you have read the trade, and and if it's great or if it's terrible, let us yeah, know. Yeah, let us know. If, Serious, it gets- if, 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 if we should just tap out now, save our time. Let us know. Serious issues at kingscomics dot com. Um, we also got a uh, a brand new comic by um, Andy Diggle, who. Uh, I mean, what's 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 the losers? Probably, yeah, the losers for probably. Vertigo. I did um, a lot of really great Green Arrow stuff. Yep, um, did some uh, Hellblazer, mm-hmm. um, and he did a comic out last year with art by Jock called Snapshot, which is like very similar in tone to oh, this book. Oh yeah, I remember that being a little bit disappointing. It was an incredibly strong first issue, and then kind of got more disappointing as it mm. continued. Um, uh, a, a kind of gritty crime story. This is uh, this is a comic a comic that I felt like I have read a hundred times before. Yeah, totally. Um, it's a, um, a, I guess, like a, a murder mystery crime comic told from a, um, like a police department, mm-hmm. um, and you have like the the cop who's trying to prove herself, and it, like the female cop that's trying to prove herself, and it admits all these, you know, very old school male cops that, mm-hmm. and uh, look, it, it was far from bad. I think I definitely forgave all of the tropes that I've seen uh, done before because I love reading police procedural yeah, comics. Same. And, and Andy Deagle is very good at it. Like, this is obviously a space that he's very comfortable writing in. And I sort of, it did feel very familiar, but not in a way that I was, like, annoyed by. I quite, I liked no. it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and uh, it ends on a, um, like, kind of Senate corruption kind of note. So yeah. it, it could be expanding more out of the police department. But, yeah, I mean, I just, I would love a weekly police procedural comic like you know i I love watching law and order and and that kind of crap like yeah like a long-running police procedural comic i would be very into yeah and we we almost had that with like you know gotham central which is 
top five comic of all time, mm. and something that I wish Rebirth would just bring back. Totally. Um, especially because I realized the other day when I was thinking about it, um, what's the name of my favorite police officer in Rene GC? Montoya? Rene Montoya is dead in the New 52 what? universe. How come? How'd you die? I, uh, apparently, like I, I was re- listening to a, to someone talk about the new, all the New Fifty Two issues, and they and they actually bring up in one of the first issues of New Fifty Two that that she that she's dead. <sighs> bring her back. Mag- Maggie Sawyer's still around. Um, yeah. Oh yeah. I love Maggie. So yeah, that's fine. That's good. But, uh, but Renee Montoya is one of the great DC characters of, of the last twenty years. Yeah. And uh, I wish she was, you know, just like just bring- had her own comic. I mean, even, yeah. don't even do the question stuff anymore, or, or do the question stuff. That was great. But, mm. Yeah. But just more, more cops. More cops. Another thing I never thought I would say. Yeah. <laughs> um, we also have um, yet another um, comic number one brought out by Aftershock, which oh, is I didn't, the yeah I didn't read the this publisher one. that I keep giving a chance to, <laughs> and uh, I don't really know why. This is actually maybe the strongest one so far that I've read. This is called The Revisionist, written by uh, Frank Barbier and uh, art by Gary Brown. Uh, so this is a. Um, like a kind of uh, time-jumping, uh, crime-solving kind of comic. You have a, um, uh, a a man who's imprisoned who kind of gets a message from his father that he needs to do everything his father says if he wants to escape um, because something terrible is about to happen. Right. And uh, there's a lot of death in this comic and a lot of crazy, uh, like at the end, he jumps off a building into a mysterious portal at the end of the comic. Cool. But there's enough there for me to kind of go like, you know what? This is actually like, I don't know. I want to give this publisher a chance because mm. they have a lot of big stuff coming out soon. They've got a new series by Marguerite Bennett. Cool. Um, they've got they've got two series by her coming out soon, actually. Um, they've got one com- um, by Tim Seeley called Lifespan is coming, Lifespan is coming out really soon. Mm-hmm. And um, there's even a comic by Mark Wade oh, wow. coming out really soon called Captain Kid. Um, so they've got a lot of, lot of stuff coming out mm. after Shock. We've read five, four comics that they've put out in the last couple months that I haven't, I haven't really liked any of them. Mm. I almost got on board with Jackpot, but then they went too, yeah. too crazy in the second issue and, I, and they lost me. So I'm going to stick with this, the revisionist. Um, let us know if I've, if mi- I have, uh, Brian Azzarello is writing a monthly with them that I, that I missed the first issue of. So once that comes out in trade, I might pick it up and see if that was any good. Mm. Uh, the last number one, which I only picked out because you told me I should pick it out. And it looks like you didn't pick it out. Yeah, you, no, totally. You totally Just Siobhan continuing me. to, uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Bebop and Rocksteady destroy everything. Uh, I just skimmed through this book. Yeah. It's, not, it's not for me. Um, <laughs> I actually have on my iPad um, almost every uh, Ninja Turtles comic. Oh, cool. They did a big sale on Comixology last year, and I, so I bought everything. Mm. And uh, I, I, w- I will catch up and read it all, because apparently the main series is really, really great. Mm. This is a spin-off that's about Bebop and Rocksteady. Kind of has tie-ins to the movie that's coming out, uh, the Michael Bay movie, because I know that they're heavy characters in this. Mm. But interestingly, this is a, this is a weekly miniseries. Oh. Um, and I don't have time for that, that seems, in my that life right now. That seems far too much. <laughs> so apologies to all the uh, Teenage Ninja Turtles stands that are waiting for us to start talking about Ninja Turtles. Uh, this is not the comic that will do it, but I promise I'll try and catch up on all of the main series stuff soon. And I will uh, I attempt to stop recommending you things that I then refuse to read. You never, you never will. <laughs> I never will. Um, we're going to move into the uh, regular issues. That was first things first. Lots of new comics this week. And yeah. oh my God, ne- this week coming up has even more number ones. Oh my God. It's crazy. Um, so uh, let's move into the current issues, uh, the regular issues. Um, mm-hmm. I want to start, we've talked about lots of beginnings and I want to mm-hmm. start uh, talk by talking about an, an end, <clears throat> a very sad end of a, of a comic uh, that... I'd been sporadically enjoying since it started in 2012, Hellboy in Hell. And this actually could be seen as the last ever 
like continuity comic of uh, of Hellboy ever. Mm. Um, at least the last one written and drawn by Mark, Mike Mignola, the creator of, of Hellboy, colors by Dave Stewart. This was so this started in, in 2012, so it's been coming out for four years now, and. Uh, the, there was like a 10 month delay in between some issues and mm. crazy stuff like that. I actually thought it had ended um, about at issue six, but it conti- it actually continues a full story that just finished last week. Um, this was, I, I, re- I got all the issues out, all, all 10 issues of Hellboy and Hell and read them all yesterday and today. This was just, I think one of my, one of the best comics that came out. I mean, if you say, yeah, this year, mm. like t- if, I highly recommend everyone just pick up, even if you're not familiar with every single story of, of Hellboy, I'd also recommend just reading every single Hellboy story because it is one of the greatest, greatest kind of, I guess, unsung greatest comic book runs. I feel like it was very, you know, loved and talked about uh, around the time of the first movie coming mm. out. But I mean, some of the, the Wild Hunt, which is the story that kind of leads into Hellboy and Hell is, I think, the strongest Hellboy comic. Um, and Hellboy and Hell is damn close as well. Mm. I mean, it's definitely very interesting. Like I've, um, I've never been all the way into um, Hellboy, not for like not appreciating Mike Mignola or anything like that. Just um, haven't really gotten around to it. But it is one of those series that is constantly at the top of everyone's list, constantly wins eyes, and is constantly is like a huge deal in comic books, but doesn't seem to sell an equivalent amount. Like yeah. it really should because it's it's. Uh, in every sense, a contemporary classic. Like, um, and now that Mike Mignola sort of announced that he is moving away from comics, I believe. To yeah, I think he's just going to paint. Take a little break. Yeah, having a little break. Having a little <laughs> he break. He deserves it. Um, it's definitely, you know, it's a good time to if you've never read Hellboy, pick it up because it's um, and pick it up from the beginning. I, I read yeah. from the beginning until the Wild Hunt just a couple of years ago, um, and uh, it's a it's a it's a great you know it's a hundred issues or so all up. Um, and I mean, there's more. There's like all all different kinds of mm. uh, tie-ins, and of course, then you've got the uh, amazing BPRD mm-hmm. series that kind of uh, tells different adventures that sometimes feature Hellboy, but it's all in the same universe. Uh, Hellboy in Hell is, uh, you know, we've, we've talked a little bit about beginnings and ends, and this is this is, I guess, this is how you end a comic. Like, I mean, Hellboy is, you know, he he is is taken to hell at the end of uh, the wild hunt. And mm. this is the story of him in hell. And, and I thought this is going to be the end of Hellboy, but without spoiling much, mm. this is actually about the end of hell. Oh, cool. And it's very literary. There, there are lots of references to, to everything from Charles Dickens mm. to, to, you know, passages from the Bible and, and lots of incredible literary moments scattered throughout this, like direct references, characters say dialogue straight out of books. Um, that that relates to, to to Hellboy and Hell, and I just it's, it's almost a celebration of what makes Hellboy great. There's there's barely any support characters. You kind of get glimpses of um, Witch Hunter, mm. who uh, who's who's been a part of the uh, the Hellboy universe, um, and what what ends up of him. Um, and there's just yeah, just like great you know little spirits and people that that Hellboy has encountered in his adventures that ended up in Hell, and you know how they contribute to this possible final story of him. And him accepting his destiny, or you know, unwittingly just being a part of it anyway. It's just, yeah, it was just mm. such a wonderful ten issue run. The art is just phenomenal. It's that absolutely beautifully coloured by David Stewart, but just the that minimalistic, overly shadowed Mignola style mm. that so many um, artists have been influenced by today. Absolutely, and this is just him at, at his absolute peak. And I think you know he, he's definitely earned a break from comics after, mm. yeah. after doing something this perfect. I can't fault any part of this run. Um, 
because every issue, even the ones that are a bit more telly than showy, mm. they do it for a reason and, mm. and they are just thematically different an issue. I mean, I, you know, I, I will fault the massive gaps in between reading this. I, I actually stopped reading it as it came out and just collected it, knowing that it would end at some point and I could read it all and that was yesterday mm. and I had a great time doing that. So, look, if you're looking for an unbelievable read from start to finish, Hellboy in Hell is, I think, of like a five-star a five star run. Yeah, wow. Yeah. I'll uh, definitely be checking it out once I finally get around to actually reading all of the Hellboy. Yeah, <laughs> and, and and like you know, Hellboy has been drawn by different. It's always been written by Mark Mignola, but but uh, it's been drawn by different people throughout the years. Like uh, uh, Richard Corbin did a run, and wow. uh, and Duncan Fregato did several um, mm. great stories. That's my faction. My favorite arcs are all drawn by Duncan Fregato, and he's much more detailed, still thematically similar to to how Mignola draws Hellboy and all the characters in it, but much much more detailed. So it was quite a stark. Oh wow! Like you know, the simplicity mm. of of Mignola stuff going back to that but you warm to it so quickly um when you when you read all 10 issues yeah i had i loved reading this mm. so much definitely want to check out it was so great kind of going like oh man rebirth i don't know what they're doing and holy shit what the fuck is bender's doing with civil yeah. war and then just reading this comic that's just so sure of what it wants to be absolutely and and and, and you know it's it's a creator who has been done, working on this create working on this character that he created and he has a hundred percent control yeah. of and I think doing... that's one thing that's like massively impressive is you don't get to see someone who would absolutely work on a project for so long and have so much control over it. Yeah, and, and, and this is a character that ages as well, which yeah. is something that you don't see enough in comics. You know, you've you've kind of grown up with with Hellboy and seen him you know, over thirty years or however long it's been, you know, have all all kinds of different parts of his life and, you know, you see him age and, and I, I, it's rare for a, a comic book character to age like mm. Hellboy has over over time, over many, many issues. Yeah, it was a really great experience reading it. Yeah, Highly awesome. recommended. I could keep complimenting it if you want, but we should move on. Um, should one, talk- one that definitely felt like the end of something, but Meh. which uh, apparently wasn't, was Deadly Class issue um, issue 21 Is by it? Rick Remender. No, who, does, who does art? Someone uh, Craig. Yeah, where's Craig? Where's Craig? Who I do, I still really like. Oh, the art's an amazing the job. best thing about this the best book. Thing about this uh, book. And, uh, and I also love the... This is my, one of my favourite lettered books. I love Russell Wooten's lettering. Mm. Um, uh, yeah, look, this uh, this was a really strange uh, end. Well, not end. It feels like the end. but it, it, uh, And again, made me think about how pointless death in comics is. Mm. I don't feel... I don't feel like the... like. I don't want to spoil who dies, but a lot of characters die in a this book. A lot of people die in this book. And I just... I just felt pointless them all dying. Like, you know, yeah. so many stories end with the end of these characters. And I don't know. I I, I, I remember, I swear I remember recommender saying that this was going to be a long, you know, 40 issue series. Mm. And I don't really see how this continues past like a, like an, an epilogue kind yeah. of issue. Yeah, totally. This. I don't know how much longer we're going to go with this, with this book after this, but uh, you know, it's it's not a bad story, but it was just I don't know. I, I saw the deaths as unnecessary shock value kind of moments, mm. and they even do that classic trope of a blade suddenly being in a character. Yeah, I, uh, Mark Wade has made fun of it in a, in a fantastic uh, thing about Jeff John's favorite way to kill a, a character is for someone to suddenly stick a blade. All of a sudden, ha- it's like halfway through them. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I think it's a really boring trope, and and one of the characters. It's not quite as a. Uh, as tropey as that, but it, 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 it kind it of is. happens all of a sudden and it's just like, oh, now what happens? Thing, I think I felt like, because I've quite enjoyed this book the whole way through and I think the fact that I sort of um, have read it in quite a disjointed way almost is good for it because I feel like Remenda has just been like fumbling his way through this. Like it's never felt like there was a strong 
arc of like this is where the story is going it's never felt like it was being pushed forward it always seems like things just kind of happen and i know no, that's the, not the first 10 to 12 issues i think were, were like oh, I was yeah. reading, when i was reading that that was definitely like my, my favorite thing that remender was doing at the time because yeah. he has you know he has many creator owned at the moment i think but then he was still doing marvel stuff too but he's just so needlessly grim with this comic yeah. and and it kind of just comes off a bit like teenage absolutely like it's so angsty and uh but that's kind of like, I mean... That is what Remender is it good It almost at, seems like quite sort of intentional. So I almost do forgive it for mm. that because it is a very immature book. Um, but Black Science, <sighs> another creator and book mm. that, 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 um, that Rick Remender writes for Image, um, start, it went down that road as well too, where it was just like so grim, all the characters mm. doing the worst things. But in the last year it just got this injection of hope and it, mm. it's all the be- the comic is all the better for it yeah. and yeah and even even low which i i it starts which started out like just so grim mm. is uh you know it, it definitely deals with with death all the time but it's such a more mature comic than this this is Paige, the co-host of giggly squad and i want to tell you about a company that i've been loving olive in june olive in june gives you Everything that you need for a salon quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive in June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive in June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promo rate for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. I get that this is about teenagers. It's written in the, in the 80s and there is always going to be that level of immaturity about it. And it, it is but... going to be like it is about a school of assassins. So there is always going to be an yeah. element of death and destruction and um, but nihilism, I guess. Yeah, this is, I don't know. It, it, it's not the comic that I thought it would be going in. Um, and, and look, I don't know how many more issues are coming out of this, but I I hope this isn't the end for a certain character that potentially meets his end Yeah. in this book. Yeah, there are a couple of really depressing deaths in this. Yeah, definitely. I sort of, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I, hope, one, I hope it gets... I that, hope the main death in the middle, comes through. that was like, again, and I felt the yeah. same way about 
you know, when Rhodey just dies, it was just yeah. like, oh, man. But like, this comic almost, like, I, I empathize with that character because if I was that character, that's probably what I would do. Um, it's such an unrelentingly shit universe to live in. And so, like, there's so much pain and so much death and so much destruction constantly. And he has done quite a good job at making these characters feel, in su- like, well, in such a ridiculous universe, quite human. Yeah, definitely. But, yeah, I mean, he, he, he dangles hope in front of this mm. character's eyes and then the character just dies anyway and I just I hate it when people do that and, and mm. that's exactly what Bendis did with Rhodey in the, yeah. the Zero issue Rhodey is offered a chance to become like you know mm. he's going to be he's going being groomed to become the president, president what's the sake. point of that for story if he's dead now like I would yeah. the thing is I would much rather read uh, like Rhodey becomes president yeah how good <laughs> yeah. Would, a, would, would like a West totally. Wing style superhero comic be Absolutely. I want to read that so much more than anything that, like, yeah. any event comic that Marvel. What, I mean, what, that's basically it. That would be the best. Was it, sorry? <laughs> Ex Machina. Yeah, it's yeah. Sure, no, kind of. I mean, he doesn't the president. That's, that's more like, you know, small time politics. Mm. But, like, I just think that, that, that that's an event comic that Marvel should write. Like, totally. Make Rhodey the president mm. and, and, and have all the, you know, super powered kind of second lady and first yeah. lady and all that kind of. Like, I, I think that, that's, that's so much fun. I mean, all of our favorite comics, I think, are sort of like. I think I think superheroes work well, not best, but it's it's always a fun thing to see when being a superhero isn't the key focus of the book. So, like some of my favorite superhero comics are things like Checkmate, which sure. was like Mark Wade's series in the early two thousands. Okay, Cracker. Oh yeah, you're right. Um, which is all sort of about like politics and espionage and stuff like that above being about superheroes. Yeah. And so that was really fun. And I think, yeah. A, a roadie, a is. Yeah, imagine if if, if uh, War, War Machine and Captain Marvel got married, and she was the first lady. That's so cool! <laughs> what a great that comic. Would be sick. And then who, like, instead of having a civil war, like, have Tony Stark be his like right wing opposition? Yeah, trying totally. To get his, like, that's that's a great comic. That's way better, way yeah, less pointless. That's death. what I want. <laughs> Um, uh, let's talk about the finale of Spider Women. Well, lots of ends this mm. week. We, we began with lots of beginnings, lots of ends as well. I keep saying it, so it really drums into people's heads. Uh, Spider Women Omega, which was the coming together of Spider Woman, Spider Gwen, and Silk. Um, I mean, it, like, it was interdimensional. It lost its way, I thought, like, um, not even like to the middle, just, just before the middle. I, mm. I was like, what is, this, what is this event trying to do? But then it ended so strongly. And this final issue was just great. Mm. This, is such a good, this is such a good comic. Yeah, totally. Because um, I, I, I was like, oh, no, they're, they're pulling Spider-Woman away from her Spider-Woman comic. And they're going to do it again for Civil War 2. Mm. This, is, this is crap. This is like the last thing that I wanted to happen because Spider-Woman is probably my favorite Marvel comic being put out right now. Um, and uh, this is just great. You have great great character arcs and it now means that I'm going to continue reading Silk and Spider-Gwen which is mm. absolutely like the, the you know what, what an event should do it should make you want to read more comics yeah, not absolutely. less of them like Civil War 2 is doing um, yeah it was um, it was I didn't think it was I didn't think the issue did anything like amazing in terms of wrapping it up it you know ended in a big punch up and all that sort of regular stuff that you expect from a superhero crossover event but um yeah just good good yeah. fun and had you know silk and spider gwen bro- both proving themselves to to each other and, and themselves mm. and and what a well-told like what a well-paced well-told event that ends strongly you know like so Definitely. much of the time things just tail off towards the end because they have to go like oh well this needs to be in continuity or this needs to or, be or this needs to set up blah, the blah, next blah. thing and this exactly. doesn't really set up the next thing it doesn't need it just it doesn't kind have of anything the story ends that's yeah. the, uh, that's how eventually the end Absolutely. of the story that's it 
Absolutely. Yeah. So don't there's no boys. massive repercussions. Are you someone? Do you need repercussions in an event coming? I just don't. Yeah, I simply don't. I, my repercussions should be like, and now they kicked ass harder than ever. And like, now they have a new costume. Yeah, <laughs> Spider Man has a new hat. He got a haircut. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, we've got some more ends to talk about, but before I guess we already talked about Spider Woman. We as well talk about Spider Woman. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dennis Hopeless uh, and art by Javier Rodriguez. Ooh, some of my favorite art. I love the way he's the best. I think it's just so good. Um, this was just such a great issue. Um, you uh, have mention of everything that's happened in the last few months um, with for Spider Woman, but then you know it's it's barely a panel of of, of of talking about the past. Immediately, you just kind of get thrown into this great story of of her. Um, leaving her baby to be babysat so she she can go and uh, solve some crime. Yep, just fight some monsters. Yeah, and um, she takes on Tiger Shark, uh, and it's just this great action comic, lots of awesome fighting, lots of fantastic, um, uh, what's it called when you see like the onomatopoeia uh, incorporated into the panel? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Some, just like some swoosh good, and yeah, sploosh. Just good word balloons. Great, just incredible. And uh, and also just great great work for the porcupine who's become uh, her babysitter, um, her talking to him on the phone while she battles Tiger Shark. So I I love when yeah. superheroes just you know kind of prove how low stakes a certain fight is because but like by by doing something like 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 being on the phone while they fight. Mm. Uh, and I love I love that this isn't sort of every time she goes out it's not going to be this huge thing of like. My baby could die, you know? Like, it seems like I like that she is balancing her lives, you know? Like, that's kind of nice. You don't see that too often yeah. in, in superhero comics. Everything's always too sort of grim. So it's nice to see this as like a... This is a thing. This, this is a superhero is just kind of... It just kind of works. Annoyingly, it's a one-shot. Um, oh really? Yeah, I mean, it's kind of like this is ah right, okay. This is what happens. The, the next, the next issue of Spider Woman is uh is Spider Woman turning her back on Captain Marvel and Iron Man fighting. So well, Civil I hope War that II. means that this comic will have nothing to do with Civil War Two. That'd be great. She is like, I am keeping out of this argument, and the whole issue is just her having conversations with people. Like, no, it's just between them. It's got nothing to do with me. I just would rather stay out of it. Yeah, that's the comic that I hope happens. I, I like <laughs> that she's just gonna you know kind of go back to like lower stake crime fighting. Mm. And you know because she she is a mum now, and, and mm. well, she's not going to give up cri- um, crime fighting forever. No. You know, like she's she she doesn't need to go off world. She exactly. she, she has a family now, and exactly. I think that that's a that's a really cool place to be. And speaking of platonic friendships, her and the porcupine is adorable. That's great. It's very cute. Very cool. I like and, it a lot. Yeah, me too. Great comic, Spider Woman. Probably, I, I reckon my favorite Marvel book coming out besides the Vision. Maybe mm, it's definitely it's definitely at the top of my list yeah. every month when it comes out. Absolutely, um, and so too is Wolver- all new Wolverine. Yeah, isn't Thank that a funny surprise? Thank you so much surprise. for getting me to read this. this it is, is uh, such good fun, right? Yeah, written by Tom Taylor. Um, art on this issue was by uh, Marcio Takara, um, who is also killing it. Oh man, this was just 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 so goddamn fun. I know. And you can absolutely at the top of this comic it says the road to Civil War Two. I mean, I don't know what this has to do with Civil War Two. I guess her, the the Civil War part of is going to involve Wolverine talking to Old Man Logan. I guess that's going to be this. I don't know. I don't know. The, the, the two opposing people, but this is just about this is like a any, any comic with Fing Fang Foom in it is is immediately is great. great. Like, remember that awesome. Uh, was it Next Wave, Agents oh, of Hate that. or whatever that yeah. hilarious comic was? That was that was that had some great Fing Fan Foom moments. Fing Fan Foom, of course, is a big green dragon that exists in the Marvel dragon. universe. And he ate old man Logan. <laughs> and uh Wolverine jumps in there to stop him. Uh of course Wolverine now is uh, X twenty three, Laura. Mm-hmm. Um 
with her clone sidekick, Gabby. Yeah, this is just like a really, really fun fun comic. And you, yeah, and, absolutely. And then you see, like, it's actually kind of nice. You, you have uh, Iron Man and Captain Marvel in this book as well, just being friendly to each other. Just um, helping out. Yeah, and this is just everything that a superhero comic book should be. Um, this is just a, it has like a real classic Marvel feel to it. Yeah, and I even like that sort of um, the end of this is kind of implying, you know, m- more like I like the sort of Wolverines having mysterious histories and things like that. And this sort of implies a connection between Laura and Old Man Logan and sort of a more mysterious um, past, shared past. So I'm very into it and I, I, I think this was really good fun. I forgot that um, that Laura has adamantium spikes in her feet. Oh, I forgot that too. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Where, oh, where do they come out? That seems horrible. You see here when she's uh, when she's uh, in the belly of Fing Fan Foom, they like they come out of her toes. You know, cool. They, yeah, so she kind of uses them to like. She's climb. such a cool character. They've really, I really like the way Tom Taylor writes her. I think that she is um, similar. You know, I think that the sort of DC equivalent would be someone like um, Nightwing. Oh, I was going to say Cassandra Kane, but yeah, like similar. Yeah. And so she's gone through this. Uh, sort of being very silent and melancholy and like difficult and angry and dealing with her anger issues and they've just brought her out to this point where she's just a really well-developed cool character who I want to read lots more of who is having fun adventures and living her life I'm very into it yeah and and it's not completely lamenting on her past anymore. Yeah, yeah. Which I feel like every X twenty three comic I've ever read, Absolutely. even like Avengers Arena, you know, had a, had a lot to do with her her past mm. and um, her like not being able to control herself, and it's all yeah. I like this. She's you know, just headstrong and she gets shit done. Absolutely, it's, it's a much more external adventures instead of just being uh, mopey. Yeah, I think the first trade to all new Wolverine comes out very soon. I'm going to pick that up straight away so I can catch up on her previous adventures. Because it's also, it's just, it's a good Wolverine comic. Absolutely. Above anything else, it's not even like an X-23 comic. It is a good, solid Wolverine comic. If you like people, if you like that snicked noise thing, if you like people being stabbed, you'd you'd be into it. Yeah. I want to talk about a comic from last week that I forgot to talk about because I didn't read it in time. Um, We talked about Sam Humphreys earlier. This Mm -hmm. is a comic that he wrote with art by Mike Del Mundo. We also talked about Ends, and this is the surprise final issue of Weird World, which is a real bummer. Um, I don't know know if it's ending because of poor sales or because Sam Humphreys signed the exclusivity Mm. deal with uh, DC, so that was the end of him being able to write it. Uh, Weird World is... uh, Basically, a, a very crazy place, like almost like the, the Marvel's version of the Bermuda Triangle, where everything is possible, and you know, there are wizards and, and wars and magicians. And uh, Morgan Le Fay is like the uh, kind of the ruler of Weird World. Um, this involves uh, a, um, a young girl from from Earth crashing in a plane in Weird World and um, being unable to leave it, and kind of uh, going on a quest with a with a with a wizard slayer to try and stop Morgan Le Fay so she can get home. Um, and uh, it has like a really beautiful moment where Morgan Le Fay, basically this is about her, the, the main character in Morgan Le Fay, her name is, um, I don't even know what her name is. Um, it shows how, how great I am at, at, at talking about it. Um, but her name is Rebecca. Uh, Rebecca and Morgan Le Fay finally meet and have this really uh, emotional conversation. And uh, it, um, you know, she almost convinces her that, that Morgan Le Fay is, is, a, is a good person, but then Goletta, the, um, the uh, who's been like the wizard slayer friend of, of Rebecca kind of convinces her that no, don't don't betray your your the goodness inside you. Morgan Le Fay is evil, and don't give her this Waxian seed, which is what she needs to kind of complete her evil master plan. Um, and then it kind of it doesn't really it doesn't end with Rebecca going back to Earth. Oh. It kind of ends with 
like it ends with uh you know isn't weird world the place where the lost can be found i feel like i've been found me too one person can be lost but two are always going somewhere so let's go and mm. it kind of has them kind of friends and and walking and being in weird world together but she kind of kind of make amends makes amends with her trying to like kind of uh, scatter her mother's ashes and mm. kind of being like, you know, you're not responsible, you weren't responsible for your mother in life, but you're, so you're not responsible for her in death either. It was a really nice message. It felt like a little mm. bit, a little, it didn't really feel rushed. It just feels sudden that this is yeah. the end of this book. And I, I, could, I could read more adventures of, of, of these characters and, and certainly more adventures set in this great, great universe. Yeah, hopefully, world. hopefully they'll, we'll get a chance to see more. Yeah. Um, I'm definitely going to be picking this up in trade when it comes out because I haven't been reading it. It was a very it looks, unique it and looks very, amazing. very tragic kind of story. Mm. And Mike um, Del Mundo is just so good. And the, yeah, Worth picking again, up for the, the art. The fantastic. Um, I saw he did. He, he's doing all the covers for the for the Vision series that we love so much. And oh, he's, cool. the one that's coming out this week looks awesome. Awesome. It's like the doormat of the Vision household mm. with, uh, you can see like Thor, Iron Man and Captain America's shoes cool. approaching the doormat. Really great. Great cover. A clever, clever guy. Uh, well, should I talk about another comic that you didn't read or a comic that we that you do read? Do you feel you feel left uh, out and tap you back in? Yeah. <laughs> Moon about, yeah. Moon Knight number three. We'll, we'll get through all our Marvel stuff now. Uh, Jeff Lemire with um, art by uh, Greg Smallworld, Smallwood and um, color by Geordie Belair. We've sung this book's praises. And while this issue may have been the weakest I possibly agree. of the series so far, this is still definitely the, uh, the best thing Jeff Lemire has done for Marvel since he... Signed exclusivity with Marvel. Is he exclusive with Marvel? I think maybe, hmm. maybe not. Maybe <laughs> I fucked that one up. But yeah, since he started writing for Marvel, anyway. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, this is still Moon Knight trying to escape the uh, the the insane asylum, and uh, still trying to figure out what is what is real, what's insane. Um, I like that. Sort of the message of this is like your insanity is your superpower. Like that's what you. I like that. That's that, that what was you the have best to offer of this, of this book for sure. Totally. Um, I like it. I like I like mostly how different it is to every other book out at the moment. I think it's a very unique Definitely. superhero comic. I think the art's amazing. This was probably the least compelling issue of the three so far, but I still think it's worth. It's totally worth. Just yeah, the, the final panel isn't as like whoa as the last two issues. Are kind mm. of they're, they're they're in New York, but is it New York? Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, it's a it's it's still a good a good story and and you know even though I probably give this a three three uh, three and a half out of five I probably bump it up to four and a half out of five just because it doesn't say next month Civil War two <laughs> <laughs> I love any any comic that that, that is going to tap out of that series yeah, is, totally. uh, is 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 a good by me and I think it'll probably um you know read extra extra well in trade definitely. Um, unfollow number eight, um, mm-hmm. the Vertigo book that I'm enjoying very much about um, the 140 people that have chosen to share the billions of uh, dollars that a, um, a, a rich billionaire uh, gives away on his, at his deathbed. Mm-hmm. And uh, every time one of them dies, the, the riches are shared amongst the fewer people that live. So with every person that dies, you become richer if you're mm. part of this 140. So how many people are... Are we up to? Well, we, we begin at this issue with 137. Mm, they, I like, I like how slowly it's going because yep. you kind of assume that the, the, um, what they would immediately want to do is get it down to one. Yeah, absolutely. And, like, get through a whole bunch of people. So I like that you know after however many issues, it's only on 137. Yep. But this uh, actually ends with 134. Because uh, I mean, you know, it, it's silly to think that they're going to introduce us to 140 different people and give them all their own story. Yeah, totally. So yeah, I mean. This is uh, kind of 
kind of gives gives us a, a more of a chapter of uh, um, of the characters that we're familiar with um, so far in the book and kind of what they're doing now. Uh, we catch up with uh, what's his name, uh, Akira. Yeah, Akira, who is kind of chosen to keep a, a large number of the 140 safe in his like haven, oh. and he's kind of he's like a I don't know he's almost spiritual like a leader. yeah absolutely spiritual mm. leader kind of character and everyone listens to what he says you've you've read this the first yeah. read, haven't you um and this I, I i've said in the past that this this makes me feel like a spiritual successor to why the last man but this book actually made me realize no it's more like a spiritual successor to 100 bullets mm. so still in the uh absolute you know upper echelon of vertigo titles and uh yeah, I mean, this is still a comic you should be reading. Um, it is yeah, a, totally. a slower issue than the than than the uh, than the initial trade, but um, yeah, it's definitely moving moving I the got story like a along. Genuine chill up my spine when you were like 134. I was like, whoa, yeah, yeah, yeah. cool. Yeah, and the way, yeah, I mean, like you're introduced to characters that 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 die pretty soon after you introduce them, but mm. the way it happens is pretty chilling. Mm. Um, and uh, and and so all all the members of of the 140 are aware that someone is 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 murdering them too, Ooh. which is which is very fun. Yeah, I'm excited murder to catch is so up on fun, this. You guys. I love murder. <laughs> There's one thing that we have decided today is that there is simultaneously too much death and not enough death. Yeah, fuck. You're right. I don't, I don't know why I'm, I'm I'm more than okay with death in this book. I mean, I guess it's kind of the point of the series, yeah. but. It's all context, it, it does it differently. S- context specific. Yeah. Um, there was also quite a bit of death in, uh, did you read Punisher issue two this week? Yes. Um, Becky Cloonan and uh, uh, Steve, Steve Dillon. Dillon on uh, this, this issue two of, uh, of the run that started last month. Uh, I mean, I thought, it, I thought it was a fairly average second issue. I still enjoyed it. Especially um, after coming off the back of reading Nighthawk number one last mm, week. I actually yeah. think I prefer that comic. than me. I think that's the Punisher comic I want to be reading. Um yeah. But, yeah, I, I think, you know, the, the key to... I know the big thing is, you know, you keep Punisher mostly silent and that makes him more compelling. But the key to actually making it properly compelling is making sure all the characters um, in it uh, are actually interesting and not just, like, despicable villains Yeah, that you can't... I mean, it's one thing to be like, oh, I can't wait for Punisher to kill this person. But yeah. when, like, when there's there's no kind of good compass in this, yeah. when, like... I don't know, I, I, maybe this is, like, what she's doing, which is trying to, like, you know... Make you think that that uh, that uh, the Punisher is the is the the moral compass of, mm. of this book, and and that everyone you know by by comparison everyone else has to be truly disgusting for for him to be kind of seen as the angel, but uh, yeah I, I don't know about this I, I loved the cover um, which is yeah, the, the the great cover Punisher logo incorporated into a into a diner sign mm-hmm. but the um n and the r of diner are, are blacked out so it just says die <laughs> <coughs> very good fun um, yeah i guess this sort of i mean i've never been a big punisher fan because i don't see the appeal of just a dude going around punishing bad people and i guess this kind yeah. of what this issue was a little bit um and i was like uh yeah, I, mean, look, I personally don't find that compelling you sure. know like i think that the punisher's backstory is very interesting and good and I think that there can be a lot of fun had from playing off other elements of the Marvel Universe and stuff. But I don't find straight up like, he's the Punisher and he's so a big scary guy my, and he's going to come shoot My you. three favorite runs, obviously the um, the Punisher Max run by Garth Ennis, mm-hmm. um, while keeping um, keeping uh, the Punisher... So what's, what's the Punisher's name again? Frank. Frank Castle. <laughs> keeping Frank uh, mostly silent, he did uh, alongside that he also told huge chunks of his backstory mm. that explain to you why he is the way he is and you also you know you you're presented with with lots of recurring characters that like you know shed light on Frank's demeanor mm. to people who aren't criminals um and that made it a more compelling comic um and then you have uh 
I really liked Craig Rucker's Punisher run, which basically paired um, Punisher up with another potential Punisher, a girl whose whose husband and loved ones are, are killed at her wedding, mm-hmm. and 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 she he almost kind of trains her up, and you know, is she cool. is she going to go down the same road as him? Will he be? Will she go to the point of no return like he has? And that was the kind of driving force of that comic. And then you have Jason Aaron's run on Punisher Max, which was kind of less about Frank Castle and more about you know Kingpin and Bullseye mm. and those disgusting criminals. <coughs> yeah, I think that seems like the way that the character works. So I think that the sort of central concept is strong and I probably feel a little bit the same way about the Hulk where like I feel like the central idea of the Hulk and the sort of man versus monster thing is really strong and really compelling but there's only so many times I can watch the Hulk smash something and for it to still be interesting. Um, and so I just don't, I don't get... I don't get a huge kick out of watching the Punisher punish people in different ways. So I'm I'm still I'm still on board and like I'm still gonna read this yeah. and check out how it goes, but it's not it's not at the top of my list. Yeah. Uh, yeah, like it's it's, it's again, I, I we say it's a lot. It's far from a bad comic. Yes. It, but it, it could be a lot better. Absolutely. Agreed. Um, another comic that returned after a uh, a, a small a small little delay, nothing mm. compared to the ten month delay of uh, Hellboy or mm. um uh, or Casanova, which I'll be talking about later. <clears throat> um, the Goddamned by Jason Aaron and Aaron Guerra. Um, the most disgusting comic that comes out each month. Easily, <laughs> really gross, um, and just like in like not even like this. This issue wasn't even that. It, it wasn't exceptionally graphic or disgusting in terms brutal, of the actual yeah. subject matter but it just looks grotty it's just yeah <laughs> and, and that's you know Aaron Guerra is definitely going for that and succeeding in every, yeah. in every way possible um this is a uh, Jason Aaron's take on uh, Old Testament um and so you kind of get to know you finally see the meeting between Cain and Noah in this book Fuck, so funny so funny. Why is that? Because you, 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 so they, I, I, we, you didn't go to a, a religious school growing up, did you? No, yeah, you I'm did? like oh. my uh, very lapsed Catholic. My family's quite Catholic. So, yeah, on the same um, boat, right? For some reason, I thought, yeah, right, cool. It's uh, just, so it's very, it's very funny having. I mean, just some of the like. I, I think my favorite bit is when Cain pulls himself off the crucifix and then stabs someone in the back of the head with the the nail the that nail he stuck to the crucifix <laughs> inside stuck in his hand like that's, <laughs> excellent that's a really funny death uh, and I like the basic concept of Cain versus Noah and Noah's the bad guy and Cain's kind of the good guy yeah absolutely uh, yeah look this is this is again it, it, it's a it's it's a gross fairly trashy comic yeah uh, almost feels like a, like a grindhouse kind of comic totally um, but. The story is 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 at the heart of it is is really compelling. Yeah, really and interesting, I, and, I can't, and 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 a great take on these stories that you know if you went to a, a if you had a religious upbringing like we did, like it is, it's really fun and feels a bit taboo to see yeah, these characters. It totally does. <laughs> you know, but you know we 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 we, we see so many um, elements of like mythology in comic books, mm. like Greek mythology and Nordic mythology, um, Ro- Roman mythology, all that kind of stuff appear in comics. Why yeah. shouldn't? That, that the well of of religion be 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 part of the course as well. Absolutely, I mean, so. there's definitely the Jesus sort of story definitely gets <coughs> told a lot in um in comic books. Yeah, but I, I love Death the, Return, but the, these Old Testament stories, which for me, like you know, they, they are like you know folklore. Yeah, um, it's I, very I, interesting to see like a a genuinely different take on it, and like a story that I wouldn't have expected in a. a a way of looking at the Bible that I wouldn't have expected, you know, like it's, it's, it's kind of interesting. And this issue, I probably enjoyed the most out of, out of the whole thing at the beginning. I was like, ah, oh, this feels really like, 
exploitative and shock value for the sake of it and I don't really feel like he's saying anything and he just wants to do a bunch of like it reminded me of um you know when uh, Robert Crumb did his Genesis which was felt very shock value for the sake of shock value to me right um but this I've, I am more and more interested in what Jason Aaron has to say and what the story that he's telling with this and I, I'm I'm on board yeah, I'm on board now. Yeah, for sure, because it got that aforementioned hope injection. Totally, totally. Yeah, the the, uh, the character is now driven by something other than bloodlust. Mm. Yeah, and the, and the need to die. Um, Paper Girls number six came out. Brian K. Vaughan with Cliff Chang on art. Um, this is the uh, increasingly convoluted story of, yeah. of 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 girls on a paper run who uh, encounter some weird hocus pocus stuff. They've now been transported to from the eighties to now mm-hmm. with. Uh, one of the the grown up versions of themselves, uh, and they've been split from one of their team, and there's a weird conspiracy with Apple products. I love it. <laughs> See, this is the thing. I I don't. As it gets more and more zany, mm. I'm losing. I feel like myself I'm the in the story. At the yeah, beginning, right. I was like, "Yeah, this is all right. It feels kind of Spielbergy, and that's kind of fun. And I get what you're doing with a nostalgia thing, and I like that it's all girls, and you're doing a great job, BKB. <laughs> um, and I love Cliff Chang, but. Now that it's gotten, like, really weird time travel and, like, really bizarre sort of sci-fi stuff, I'm so on board. And I like the – you get a couple of weird reveals in this. Like, there looks like there's another version of a character that there's already two of in this timeline. And I'm – Yeah. Yeah, I'm on board. I'm into it. Yeah, definitely. I mean, but with something like Saga, something zany happens and you're like, you know what, this is going to – I'm going to ride this out. Yeah, I'm, uh, Siobhan just opened to a, one of the strangest pages of this issue. I'm going to write this out because Saga mm. is this, like, you know, could, it could go for, forever. Yeah. And and But I don't, is, is this a limited series? Well, see, is this I a- originally thought it was just a, like, five-issue miniseries and was quite surprised when issue six came out. Um, so I have no idea how far this goes. But I'm sort of – I think that's kind of grabbed me. Like, I sure. thought that it was just a fun, fun five-issue mini. Sweet. Yeah, and there was – I mean, like – we Stand on Guard was the comic that Brian K. Vaughan wrote mm. last year with Steve Scrooge. Um That was a six-issue limited, and mm. we knew that from the start. So when it introduced some very high concept, like, mm. oh, shit, where are they going to go with this in, like, issue five? Mm. That was worrying, and then that was, like, you know, it was a fun read, but definitely not one of Brian K. Vaughan's strongest series. Like, yeah. He's absolutely at his strongest when he's writing something long form. And so, yeah, I, I don't know. With, with with the bizarre turns this comic takes, I'm like, is this going to be like eight issues or ten issues mm. or, or 40 issues? Yeah, yeah. Who knows? I kind of like that. I kind of like not knowing what's going on with this. <laughs> yeah. Also, I was just thinking, do you realize? Because it definitely seems as if Apple are maybe the big bad guy in this. Yeah. Do you think this is all just revenge for when... Oh, no, that was Sex Criminals. I was like, oh, no, no. No, it they was banned, Saga. They yeah, banned yeah. Saga from iTunes. Oh, my iTunes. God, you're right. You're so right. Do you it's think be- this is it? This I is, hope so. Yeah, so so, so I, iTunes banned um, an issue of Saga from Comicsology and and and, and any any iTunes app that sold comics because it just had a little bit of sodomy, just a tiny bit. No, it was just a, I think it was just like one tiny drawing of an erect penis. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, there you go. Yeah, not even that bad. <laughs> um, and yeah, sorry, I hope this is. I hope this saga. is just his sort of ongoing revenge. And man, Brian Cable, <laughs> he does do some fun things and he's very like, you know, active with his fans and all those kinds of things. So he's done this um, time capsule contest in the back where you can, um, you know, answer all these questions and it could potentially go into a time capsule that he's going to dig up in 2019 and see what our predictions, um, if they're true. So things like, you know, who will be president of the United States in 2019, who will play James Bond in 2019, um, which beloved celebrity will no longer be with us. 
anyway, it's just it's quite fun. I'm, I, you know, I always think these things are really fun, and then never interact with them. Totally. But I'm excited to see what happens in 2019. As I assume, I will still be reading comic books then. <laughs> we can only hope. <laughs> um, I will talk about because um, I feel like he's almost like his contemporary, um, mm. Matt Fraction. Mm. Um, his book Casanova Asadia number five came out this is a uh, ongoing book that uh, the, the fourth in the Casanova series um, that he writes with uh, the brothers Fabio Moon and Gabrielle Barr on art <clears throat> you've also got Michael Chabon coming on for uh, backup stories so um, Fabio Moon writes the main story with this and then uh, Gabriel Barr draws the backup with Michael Chabon um, this is a very confusing multi-dimensional um, comic uh, that's quite darkly funny and is one of those comics that makes you feel pretty stupid while you read it nice. because it's uh, extremely high concept and uh, you have to, you know, you blink and you miss it moments that come get brought up to a head later on. You're like, oh, that explains that mm. kind of thing. Um, and this, as far as the Casanova stories go, f- until this issue, it's been a lot more grounded. Normally, they're like, you know, straight up space dimensional adventures. This is... Uh, this is at one particular. It basically, there's multi in every dimension. There is a Casanova Quinn, and that person might be the, the end of that dimension. If you, uh, depending on the way you look at it, so there's a team that's been sent to destroy every Casanova Quinn in every reality. Um, but this is uh, telling the story of a Casanova Quinn and him learning about his life and maybe he's been. I don't know. I mean, like, I, I don't know what it's trying, trying to tell about his life before we read this story, but he's kind of trying to uncover the early days of his employer. He's been asked to, and in doing that, he's finding out about himself as well and the role he plays in his dimension. Um, yeah, I, I caught up on all this today, the last five issues of uh, Casanova Asadia, thinking that this was the last issue, but I think it's far from it. Nice. Um, so, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's, a, it's a really fun fun read, and it's a very incredible art. The Gabriel, Gabriel Barr and I Fabio Moon are amazing. amazing. And the, the, it's great having them draw a book together, different separately sto- separate stories, because mm. often they will... You know, one of them will write it and the other one will draw it and they'll kind of swap in between. Mm. Um, and you can't really tell who drew what because they are somewhat similar, but it is fun to go like, oh, no, Gabrielle Barr drew this. And you can see how different their line and inking work are. Yeah, you know, totally. Um, That's really cool. Gabrielle Barr is quite a lot more blockier and mm. a, lot, lo- a lot like a, more of a Mignola influence on his work, whereas Fabio Moon is a bit sketchier. Mm. Um, yeah, really cool stuff. Yeah, cool. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it was fun catching up, but it was always one of those comics I was like, I knew it was, it's one of those comics that you know is a head fuck, so it's kind of like, okay, am I ready for this? Am I ready? Mm. I don't know. Uh, but it was, it was fun just smashing it all out today and look forward to the next issue. Yeah, cool. Um, should we burn through these last ones? We've been going, this is a long episode. Um, Cinema Purgatorio. I didn't read any of these. You didn't read any of these? Oh no, my God. Look at this pile. I didn't realize. <coughs> yeah, I missed out on Cinema Purgatorio, um, which I'm sad about, and I'm definitely going to have to try and find issue two because I enjoyed you, you can issue have this one, one quite a lot. Like. Um, oh, uh, yeah. Uh, this is uh, the kind of um, uh, compilation comic by Alan Moore, Kevin O'Neill, Grant Garth Ennis, Max Brooks, K- Kieran Gillen, Christos Gage, and all different artists telling, um, you know, six to eight page comics um, set in this kind of weird cinema world that you kind of, it's almost like uh, someone sitting down watching all these different films. Um, Alan Moore is the only one who really commits to that concept, and I feel like maybe that all these other stories are written and then told that they're going to be put in, in this format. Yeah. I don't know, but the uh, the uh, Alan Moore and Kevin O'Neill story in this is is amazing. Um, it uh, has um, it's basically like a film in which um, like a, a Roman period film in which the uh, the actors realize that they are part of a of a film, 
and not living their lives as they thought they have oh, the entire time. So as the comic progresses, they realize they're wearing fake beards and <laughs> um, they end up like, oh, it's, it's, it's really, you know, tragic, but, but very amusing and, and, and a very cool concept. Definitely, mm. cap- you know, shows that Alan Moore is more than capable of writing a good comic today. Um, the rest of the comics, I mean, I, I, my complaint of number one was that you can't really get into the meat of the comic in just eight pages. And yeah. I don't think, I still think that's true. Um, that said, I'm, of all the compilation comics, of all the comics that I'm reading in this, I'm enjoying Christos Gage's comic the most. Which one was that one again? Um, it's uh, almost like his take on like a Godzilla-style universe. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. With different cool. kaiju and monsters and stuff like that. Uh, yeah. Um, I'm keeping with it. It's it's fun just for the, the Alan Moore and Kevin O'Neill stuff. Yeah. The rest like, I mean, of the I, don't is- think, I don't think it's like, it's not going to break any you know, records of the best comic book ever. No. And yeah. anthology comics are sort of <coughs> hit and miss- Generally, um, but I think it's I think it's still worth a read. Definitely, um, I uh, tried to read the second issue of Four Thousand and One AD through um, Valiant this Sold year. Sold out before I could get it. Well, that was the same as the the event that Valiant putting out that I actually want to read with Putin in it. Mm. I didn't get to read the second issue of that. Yeah, did you? No, no. Oh, like all the we we are upping our orders on Valiant Comics, people. Um, yeah. Mostly because I want to read them. Four Thousand and One AD um, is not grabbing me as much. And uh, that's all I'm going to say about that. Nice. Satellite Falling number two on uh, IDW. This is a real strange comic about the, the girl that's on another world who has like a cloaking device to make her look like any alien. And she's uh, doing doing different, uh, like, like almost like intel work for, for the police department trying to save certain people. Um, and she finds out that the big bad guy in this world might actually be her ex-girlfriend who is the only other Earth person. on. I don't know. Uh, it's very weird, but it's strangely compelling, I guess. <laughs> uh, All New Avengers issue 10 by Mike Wade. Um, I don't know I've why just, I'm reading To be reading honest, this. yeah, I just gave up on that comic a couple of issues ago um, just because I don't, I don't really care, which makes me sad about a Mike Wade comic. I re- it really sad. It's just I don't understand any of this. I mean, it hasn't even started tying in to Civil War 2. So you know that Mike Wade has been told to just write these stories that yeah. don't really matter. That you've got a new wasp, I guess. That's something. But Yeah. Is it still her and Jarvis having a road trip to discover her um, secret past or something? She meets Jeanette Van Dyne, the original wasp, in this comic. Oh, and- is she not dead? <laughs> no, she's not dead. Um, and also, Annihilus is in this comic, too. Uh, Great. Pretty interesting. Um, I caught up with Godzilla, Godzilla Oblivion. Oh, yeah. Do you remember we had the first issue of that? Yeah, yeah. It was by uh, Joshua Fialkov. Um, and art by Brian Chirilla. This is a really hard-to-follow mess of a comic in parts. It's mm. about um, uh, interdimensional travel to a world where there is monsters and um, accidentally letting... Um, who's the three-headed uh, uh, King Ghidorah into our Earth and then trying to open up the, the dimensional travel again so it can escape back to the world with Godzilla. And then it, I don't know. It's like it's kind of fun, I guess. I don't know why I'm reading it. <laughs> <laughs> like so many of these books. And finally... Uh, the Walking Dead issue 155. What a great comic! I can't believe this comic is still as good as it is. Yeah, it's pretty crazy, huh? I um I thought I was done with this series, but then I I caught up in it all, and I just I'm having so much fun reading it again. Mm. Yeah, I've never I've never read The Walking Dead just because I'm not like I mean I know everyone I just don't really care about zombie stories, and I know everyone goes it's not about the zombies, it's about the people left behind. But um. Yeah, I'm, I'm just, glad you I'm, said that before I did, <laughs> earnestly. Um, but I've just never, I've never quite gotten into it. But I do think it's an unbelievably impressive thing that um, he's done, and to have so many people still buying it, and to be so, um, so into the comic, even while the TV series is. But the t- going I, don't, I don't understand how, why the TV show is popular because I just, I, I has don't understand. Well, it's comic just like art. the comic is just so exciting month to month, mm. and the comic, the TV show could not be more boring to me. Yeah. 
Anyway, no. oh well, that is all of our comics this week. Well, Holy I, shit. well the reason that oh, I didn't read not, that stack okay, is because, because I all had of, a couple all of my comics this week. Siobhan went and changed the game and read some more. I did. I um I picked up a couple of graphic novels this week that were quite cool. Um, the first one that I think is um could be quite fun for a lot of people because the Buffy comics um. You know, when Buffy finished, they just continued the comics on. And so if you try and jump into the Buffy comic now, it's quite, it's it's very, it's very like season different. season nine or something? Yeah, season yeah. nine in the comics, um, which I still read and still really like. But so they've, um, they're bringing out a range um, of standalone graphic novels, which are Buffy the High School Years. So this is the first one um, called Freaks and Geeks, written by um, Eisner Award winner Faith Aaron Hicks, who I love, who does Friends with Boys and Nameless City and um, a whole bunch of stuff like that. And this is just a fun, um, really cool art as well by someone called Yishan Lee, who I'm not familiar with. Um, and it's just like, if you liked the first couple of seasons of Buffy and you just wanted more Buffy and Willow hanging out and fight, fighting vampires and stuff like that, then pick this up. It's really good fun. Really nice nostalgia. Um, really well told. Great art. Loved it. Really good. Mm. Really good fun story. Um, and then quite different from that, I read um, Mary M. Talbot and Brian Talbot's new book. Um, so Mary Talbot is obviously Brian Talbot's wife. He is a, you know extremely prolific graphic novel um, writer. She is. What has he done? He has done things like The Tale of One Bad Rat, Alice in Sunderland, Granville, or um, that big series. Um, he's done some work on sort of um, things like Sandman and the Dead Boy Detectives and things like that Right, cool. Well. Sure. Um, and his wife is a academic. And so in the past couple of years, they've done a couple of really, really interesting books. The first one was um, Daughter of Her Father's Eyes, which was all about James Joyce and James Joyce's daughter and his relationship with her. That was really interesting. Um, and then they did uh, another one late last year, I think, called Sally Heath- Heathcote um, Suffragette, which was all about a famous suffragette and her sort of history and the history of the suffragettes, which was also brilliant, extremely compelling, really, really fascinating. So this is another historical fiction book by them called The Red Vir- Virgin and the Vision of Utopia, um, which is all, it's all very sort of socialist and communist. And it's about this woman who was called The Red Virgin, who was a sort of socialist hero um, in Paris after the revolution. Um, and it's just, it's, it's really brilliant. It's really brilliant. If you like history, if you like feminist history, if you like feminist critiques of things, um, if you like great graphic novels, I really, really recommend picking this up. It, um, it you know, it oh, filled me in on a fantastic. yeah. The art is amazing. Like Brian Talbot is so, so good, um, and it fills you in on a whole section of history that you might not be aware of, and a really compelling character who you know could otherwise be lost to the to the sands of time. Um, so it's really cool to see them sort of digging up these stories and doing real justice to these like awesome historical um, women. Is this going to be a series. Um, no, 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 no. This is just a standalone about her. I hope that they continue in this great sort of um, with the great work that they've been doing because I'm. Damn, man, that art is so. It's else. so so beautiful, like, and the color palette's amazing. It's sort of black and white with really really vibrant splashes of red. Um, it's a really beautiful book. Like yeah, you can, there's a lot of time and effort that's gone into it. Uh, trading you the uh, second issue of Cinema Purgatorio <laughs> doesn't seem like a fra- fair trade, but I'm, I'm going to do that. Today. Yeah, you're going to have to because it's um yeah I highly I highly recommend <laughs> checking out the two other graphic novels that Miriam Talbot's worked on as well because they are really brilliant. Amazing. Well, that is all the comics. That we read this week. Whew. Actually, that, that's a lie. I, I've also started reading Astro City, so I'm about 20 issues into that. I don't understand how you find the time. Like, I work in a comic book store, yeah. and I feel like I read way less. Yeah, I don't know. Way just, less it's comics. All than I, you. It's, it's my favorite. It's my favorite format to do anything. Yeah, totally. I so much like. I feel like such a nerd because 
of all of the evidence that I am. But I so much like sitting in like a quiet room with just comic books and like a cup of tea, and that's pretty much well, yeah, my I mean, perfect Sunday. It doesn't even need to be a quiet room. Like I love that you can read comics anywhere. Yeah, totally. Like, the only place you can't is like when there is no light. Yeah, yeah. Like I, <laughs> but have... I actually have an iPad that, that so I read comics on that <laughs> too. So it's a lie. <laughs> comics are the best. Uh, yeah. So we have uh, a few. Qu- we were just one. We'll answer one yeah. question from uh, uh, one of our listeners this week when you can uh, ask us any question that you would like answered. Uh, we got Actually, we've gotten so much amazing yeah. feedback in the last week, just people doing posts on, on Instagram and sending us messages on Facebook and sending us emails just saying how much they like the show and that, that it's gotten them back into reading comics regularly. And Which is the nicest thing to hear. It's so cool and... Uh, if, if you really want to do something real cool for us, you could go to our <laughs> iTunes and leave us a nice little review on our iTunes page. Just look up serious issues that. on there. Definitely appreciate that because uh, our rating is uh, is not that great because some 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 bozo gave us a, a review after listing to like half of our first <laughs> issue, our first episode. Um, but I really like that review because he entitled it Y O Y, which I like. Um, but yeah, please please try and sway that 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 score a little bit higher. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, if you want to get in touch with us, you can do so. We love hearing from you uh, you can send us an email to serious issues at kingscomics.com or our facebook is facebook.com slash serious issues podcast um our friend wayne hunt got in touch with us this week and um, uh, what did he say Shimon? he said hey guys just a question for the both of you for the next show if you had the power and could pick a character for their own tv show who would it be here's the rules pick one marvel and one dc character the pick has to be a currently running series damn <laughs> um, why would the shows be viable? And if you have the time, cast your lead for the show. Mm. I can do everything except casting lead. I'm terrible at yeah, assigning same. actors to because I mean I feel like the beauty of all the the shows that we like is that they just cast people that we don't really know. Yeah, totally. As uh, as, as the actors, um, should we start with DC or Marvel? Um, well, let's start with Marvel because I've thought of one for that. <laughs> <laughs> um, for me, I would love. Uh, a Netflix series because mm-hmm. every Netflix series that we've got so far and the ones we're getting soon they're all set in New York mm-hmm. and I want them to go not only outside of New York but I also want them to go outside of the current moral compass set to good mm-hmm. I want them to tell the story of Doctor Doom and hey. I know they don't own the rights to that but I want to see like, that grey area because Doom thinks he's doing the right thing yeah, he's I mean, not the evil for the sake of being evil character he's the most compelling villain that Marvel have totally and cinema has never got him right yeah um, he's what not- do you mean? Fantastic Four. <laughs> no way. Oh my God. I cannot- you didn't see the last Fantastic Four movie, did no, you? No, no. God, no. God damn. Maybe that movie versus Superman look good. Oh, man. <laughs> that's so stressful. Uh, which which Doom story would you tell? Like, which part of Doom's history would you tell? Would you tell the sort of him and Reed being friends at college and then going off in the wrong direction? Or would you... Well, I mean, like, he's so compelling in that you don't really need to tell his story. You just yeah. need to just, like, an insight as to what he's doing now. Totally. You can see him reacting to what's happening in New York and, mm. you know, him either choosing to ignore it or choosing to, you know, like, these fools over in New York. Oh, mm. Doom will show them what a, what a true hero can be, you know, and... That I would love that more than anything. Like it's just and then just that show to be called Doom. Yeah. Like, oh god, I would love that. And you could cast anyone. My I think my rule would have to be that he would have to wear the mask at all times. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I, I love I mean, my, one of my favorite things coming out of um, Secret Wars was that Doom now has like a regular regular face. Yeah, he's just a he's just a young handsome guy. I haven't read any comics that Doom's been in since since Secret Wars. He was in no. Iron Man, right? I think. I think oh, yeah, I well, if he has, I haven't been reading Iron Man. Yeah. God, he's he's the be- he's the best. One of the best characters. Yeah, he really is. He's definitely the m- probably the most compelling. Yeah, villain when that when Marvel Hickman has. 
was announced to be finishing up at Marvel after Secret Wars, and there was that gray area, like, oh, maybe he won't, maybe he's still got things to do. Mm. I actually, actually, like, I was like, oh my god, if he just announced a Doom series, yeah. like, just an ongoing Doom series, surely that would sell well. Yeah, it would, especially because Hickman has such a good grasp of the character. Definitely, for sure. Um, but failing that, I mean, obviously that's impossible for Marvel to do. Maybe mm. Fox, Fox could do it. Um, I hope they don't do anything oh, there. But but we recently got the news that um, Marvel might actually have the rights to Namor back. Cute. And Namor is another character that almost fits in the same realm as Doom. He, he looks after his own empire uh-huh. and he puts his empire above everything else. Um, but the big difference is that he's a sexy man. He is a very sexy man. Uh, are you going to find Doom sexy? <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, Namor is such a great character. Again, another yeah. character. And I feel like... All of the characters in Marvel that I love now, you know, beyond some of the Spider characters, are characters that Hickman included in his epic, because he just painted them in such a fantastic way. Yeah. You know, like, I love I love the Fantastic Four, I love Reed Richards, I love Black Panther, I yep. love Namor, all those characters that, that he just had such a great grasp on. Um, but yeah, I mean, if they do something with Namor, like, I think a Namor series would be amazing yeah, too. Yeah, totally. Although my favourite part of Namor is that he loves Sue. Yeah. I always think that that's like one of the most interesting parts of the character and their sort of ongoing weird flirtation and, you know, that that whole element I think is really good fun. So I, I'd be sad to see a Namor series without that. Yes. But I would still be happy yeah. to see a Namor series. Um, they're actually... He hasn't he hasn't appeared in the um, in many... Uh, co- or any comics since since uh, post-Secret Wars, but I know that there's a Squadron Supreme, the next arc of that. I'm not reading that comic, but I might have to because it's called The Hunt for Namor. Cool. That's the next story that James Robertson is writing for that book, so I might pick that up. Mm, totally. Because I love Namor. Yeah. Um, so yeah, those, those are my Marvel picks. Doom or, or Namor series. I, I mean, stop telling... Heroes. Yeah, yeah. Tell, let's let's uh, let's like learn. I mean, the, the most compelling part of the Daredevil series is Kingpin. Yeah, Wilson Fisk is by I, I reckon the best portrayal of a villain, maybe besides Loki, that Marvel have done on screen. Yeah, a hundred percent. And like, look at how compelling the Punisher was in that show. Like, definitely. You know, they're already doing a Punisher TV series, but that sort of antihero is a very um, interesting place for them to play in. Totally opposite to everything that you just said, though in like probably the most sort of bright, happy, classic hero that Marvel have at the moment is I would love to see a Kamala Khan, Ms. Marvel Definitely, series. Absolutely. Because they, they don't have an all-ages offering at the moment. Mm. Um, and I think it would be sick to see a Netflix, like same high production value, yeah, but, same quality, same care taken to an all-ages You know what I would love series. so much more though? Would what? be an animated Ms. Marvel series yeah. done in the same art style as Adrian Alfona. Yeah, that would, that that would, would be, be perfect because that is like, Kamala. <clears throat> absolutely. Um, that would be so so great. Like, yeah. Like, like aimed at aimed at young kids, you know. And you have the themes of 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 you know her religion and her yep. and her upbringing and her family values, but also superheroics totally. coming into it as well. That would be so great. And I think it would be. But I mean, even if they did do a live action, it'd be quite funny to see Kamala sort of crossing over into like <laughs> Daredevil and stuff like that because she's sort of um, you know she's from Jersey, so they would have common interests and yeah. stuff like that. I think that could be quite funny. I have no idea who you could cast, though, because I... That's why animated. Make it animated. Old. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I think that you, you just... You would have, like, an... Up, uh, if you did it live action, you would have an up-and-comer, for sure. Yeah, for sure. Like, you know you know who you would not cast? Who? Someone white. Yeah. <laughs> but Hollywood probably yeah. would, would do something. <laughs> um, but that would, that would definitely be my pick for Marvel. What about DC, though? So this is really hard because, I mean, making it an ongoing... I mean, yeah, obviously, I, I, I cheated because Namor and Doctor Doom don't have ongoing hey, series. actually, that's true. You did cheat. I mean, I don't know. Okay, Spider-Woman. <laughs> Next. 
<laughs> yeah, I was uh, trying to think of like what DC character because originally I thought just do just actually do Gotham Central, just actually do a Renee Montoya series. Absolutely. Fuck off Gotham. No yeah, one cares. Yeah, Gotham's so bad. It's such a bad show. Oh my God. Um, and did DC have so many TV shows at the moment? Yeah. Like, you know, like they're, they're... And their TV shows are okay. across the board pretty good. Yeah. Nah, like Flash and Supergirl are good. Arrow, I don't care about. And, and Gotham, I Le- don't care about. What about uh, Legends of Tomorrow? What is it? Leagues of Tomorrow? Legends Legion, of- <laughs> Legion of Tomorrow? Legend- I think it's Legends of Legends Tomorrow. Of tomorrow yes, I really but... want to watch that because it takes in a whole bunch of like stupid DC stuff that I love. Like, the Adam's in there. Yeah, the Adam's in there and like Rip Hunter and, you know, it's all the silly time travel Who's stuff. Who's the super old guy? I don't know. Um, I shouldn't have brought this up. Oh, Vandal Savage? Yeah, Vandal yeah, Savage. yeah, it's got Vandal yeah, Savage, yeah, 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 you know, there's a little whole bunch super of... super old guy. Whole bunch <laughs> of his powers are being old. Kind um, of is, though. Okay, I would like to see... I mean, I loved the Young Justice cartoon. Oh, yes. So I would love to see, like, a Teen Titans cartoon. I mean, we've got Teen Titans Go, which is, like, goofy. Yeah, you know, they've been talking about doing a live-action Titans series for a really, really long time. Yeah, I'm... Yeah, I mean, I feel like there's enough live-action stuff. Mm. Um, I would love to see, like, a Luther series. I, I just love... A Lex Luthor series would be great, yeah, especially cool. after Eisenberg butchering the fuck out of him and mm. Batman v Superman. Uh, as, I mean, I you know I, I love villains, they're, yeah, they're, and and I feel like you know the, the, the counters to the superheroes are almost as good as the superheroes themselves. So seeing a, a, a series about a villain that shows what what makes them tick is always yeah. the appeal to me. So I'd love a, a like a big business Lex Luthor show, totally. and you'd have like that thread of Superman. You know, like you have him. like three minutes of Superman in each episode, or, yeah. but you also have him trying to be a successful businessman in, in spite of, of knowing that he'll never be as loved as Superman. Mm. That would be a good show. I mean, there's so many. I mean, I think this is also us just pitching like comic books that we would want and just yeah, the DC right. universe that we want to see again. <laughs> but like, I mean, a Zatanna, a Zatanna series would work would, really yeah, well. So we, we've, been, we've been asked to do a few like guides. We've been asked to do a, a guide to Archie comics that you should re- um, mm-hmm. we should start reading, which we'll do in a few weeks. And also we've been asked to do an X-Men guide mm-hmm. with uh, with our, our, our good friend, uh, <laughs> Nacho Pop. Um <laughs> And uh, he's your good friend, right? He's my, he's my, he is my best friend. <laughs> um, and uh, uh, I think a really great, uh, I would love a jumping on point for Zatanna because I've, I've, yeah. I've never really read anything that I've been like, this is a great, st- great hero. Yeah, totally. Well, I mean, she's so good in um, Seven Soldiers of Victory. Yeah, I liked that. And was, that was really she's good, good in team yeah. books. And I, I miss when they had, um, oh, what was the magic team called? There was the team that had like Satana and Blue Justice, Devil. Justice League Dark or no? No, no, it was before that. Um, and like Detective Chimp and like all those magic characters in it. I can't think of what it was called, but something like that. Like Were they in Fifty Two the- together for a little bit? Or no? yeah, 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 yeah. They yeah, showed sure. up in Fifty Two as that team, which was called. Something. Something. They had their own ongoing as well? Yeah, they had their oh, own ongoing. Shadow Pact. Shadow, Shadow Pact. Pact. Okay, there well, we go. that's a great name for yeah. a team, so sure. Totally great, right? Um, I think that would be really fun. Detective or Chimp is such a good detective character. Detective Chimp. Why isn't he used more? Yeah. He's a magic detective and he's a chimp. <laughs> he wears a Sherlock Holmes hat. Um, <laughs> there's so much There's so much that would be fun there to play with. So, yeah. In, in, in short, we want a Detective Chimp series. Yeah. Detective Chimp ongoing. With a real monkey. <laughs> a real monkey. And a and a Doctor Doom, a sexy Doctor Doom show. Yeah, and an animated Ms. Marvel. That's what we want. <laughs> Thanks for your question, Wayne. Again, you can get in touch with us and ask us a question because you will get. We, even if you ask like fi- a five word question, we'll give you a twenty minute rant. Yeah, as totally. An uh, you can get in touch with us. Serious issues at kingscomics.com or facebook.com slash serious issues podcast. That's the end of the podcast for the week. What you should pick up this week? Mm. Holy moly! It's a big, it's a big, big list of comics coming out this week. Um, yeah. 
if you uh, are so inclined, you might want to check out Civil War 2. Amazing Spider-Man has a tie-in. But the more compelling of those two, I think, is Gods of War. Mm-hmm. I've really been enjoying uh, the Dan Abnett um, Hercules series. Yeah, it's very um, silly. Hilariously, it hasn't actually had an issue out since we started the podcast. Huh. Um, so, I think this is where they're carrying it on. In, right, okay. In, in, this, in this comic. Um You've also got um, something called Merry Men from uh, Oni Press. Yeah, Oni Press are putting out like it's like a uh, like a Robin Hood kind of book. Mm, I think, but, cool. And these Merry Men. Um, flat. The Rebirth titles we're getting this week are Flash and Wonder Woman, and we're also getting the third entry into their attempt to uh, make a, a, a gritty Hanna Barbera universe. We're getting Wacky Raceland. Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, we're also getting um, Lumberjanes Gotham Academy crossover, which has been teased in the back of um, all the sort of all ages DC titles. Yeah, I, so I read the the kind of preview of that. In, mm. It was at the back of one of the comics we read this week, and I don't know what's going on in it. I don't really know any of the characters. Do you think I should read this? <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> oh, we're also getting the Aquaman rebirth as yeah. well. So lots of lots of rebirth to jump on. Um, plus, we're getting issue eight of our favorite uh, Marvel series, Vision. Um, and we're uh, getting- issue two of Renato Jones, the one percent. Yes. Yep. And uh, the return to the original numbering of Detective and Action Comics from DC. So I don't know if we count that as our number one, as in our ones, in oh, first yeah. things first next week. But uh, yeah, they got, we're getting the 934 and 957 of Detective and Action, respectively. Um, I we, mean, just make up your mind. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then, of course, lots of our other favorites are getting new issues. We've got Sheriff of Babylon, Kaiju Max Season 2. Goldie Vance. Howard the Duck, uh, Injection. And uh, the final issue of Shalon's favorite comic, Grizzly Shark. Yay. Oh, and Headlopper. Headlopper is Oh, my four. God. How good is Headlopper? Headlopper. Yeah, yeah, I read Headlopper. Yeah, I love it. I love I, it actually, so like, much. I, I, meant, I meant to bold that so we could talk about it. Headlopper's been... So, it's like the... It's been a, uh, a quarterly comic. There have been four of them. So, mm-hmm. this is the fourth one coming out this week. Um, it is just... It's a it's in, really, a really fun Viking comic. Such a weird joy. Um, beautiful, amazing art written and drawn by Andrew McLean. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I feel like even if you haven't been reading all the issues so far, I'm sure you issue, can totally issue pick four it up. will just be just one worth picking up for the art alone. It's just this big Viking um, called Norgal who has the severed head of Agatha the Blue Witch, and it's pretty much just them having adventures. And it is like one of the prettiest books to look at. Like Andrew McLean's art is so so cool, so interesting. It's a very different book to everything else that's out at the moment, and it's so good. I love it. Awesome. Well, um, that's it for the show this week. Uh, we will lop your head next yeah. week. That's a great one. That was um, good. And you can find us online. Uh, Siobhan is Siobhan CBG on Twitter and Insta. And I am Levdog, L-E-V-D-A-W-G. And, of course, Facebook.com slash Serious Issues Podcast. Please get in touch. We love hearing from you. Well, See you next guys. week. Thanks, guys. Bye. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. 
Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more, with Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.